Biff Bam Pop presents It is the Biff Bam Pop 2023 Year in Review. I am here with Biff Bam Pop Editor-in-Chief Andy Burns. How you doing, sir? Great, buddy. How are you doing? Doing swell. So, you know, this uh, this whole thing, this this is my idea, and I always have these, mm-hmm. these huge ideas, and then as soon as I try to put them into practice or execution, I, it gives me pause. So I'm really hoping this thing goes... <laughs> goes off without a hitch like look i was kind of hoping you'd be like that's a that's a dumb idea don't do that oh no this was i i'm so glad that that you thought of it um you know if if anything we are a hub of people's ideas and let's see what we can do so no when you suggested doing uh doing a 50 pop review as long as i didn't have to do it i was all in man i think it's great i think and you know Look and credit to you. The uh, the stuff that you do when you do your uh, Heroes and Villas podcasts are great, and um, your idea for this is uh, is pretty great too. Do you want to do you want to share what we're doing, what you're doing? Yeah. So what we're going to do here is we are going to have all the various departments of Biff Bam Pop rep- represented. Hopefully, we're recording this before I've talked to anybody else, but everybody, uh, <laughs> that, everybody, everybody that I've reached out to seems on board with this. So. Uh, we're going to check in with them, but first off, you and I, I figure we could just take a quick look at the 2023 year in pop, pop culture, just kind of, uh, maybe go over some highlights, uh, anything that stood out to you. I actually, I did some prep. I know it's an audio podcast. Oh, look at that. Yeah. I've got notes. I got notes. So, uh, what about, what about you? You know, I kind of take it from a little bit of like a, the personal slant, right? Like what stood out to me? Yeah. And I I think what stood out to me the most this year was the um the disappointment of what's happening in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You that, mentioned that me, in our uh, in our horror podcast that we did. What? Go ahead and go off on that. What are you disappointed about? You you know, for me, I think. You know, what I'm disappointed about, and, and the best way to to explain it for me, I think, is that every Marvel film since, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe since, um, not necessarily Doctor Strange, maybe Civil War or Infinity War, my daughter and I have gone to the Marvel movies, like Clockwork. Thursday nights or Friday nights, always opening weekend. We, you know, we go. We saw Avengers Endgame at Disney on the Thursday night that it opened with a crowd of screaming fans who freaked out, you know, in that penultimate scene. Um, I have a daughter who loved dressing up as Captain Marvel. Um, and while I couldn't really get her into watching the shows, uh, just she's not a big live action TV person. She's far more into anime. Um, we'd go see the films. And we went and saw Guardians 3 this year. We saw uh, 
Ant-Man Quantumania. You know, we saw the Doctor Strange film last year, even though she hadn't watched WandaVision, we still went. And leading up to the release of the Marvels, she, you know, I was not into it. I, I, it was the first Marvel film where I was like, eh, this, nothing about this appeals to me. And, and I, I had, I loved the first Captain Marvel film. Like, I really, really enjoyed it. I've watched it multiple times. I like Brie Larson. I think she's really talented. I think she was great Captain Marvel. But I just was, what I was seeing in the trailers just wasn't working for me. And I was like, I'm, I'm not excited. My daughter was very much, no, Dad, we're going to see it. We're going to see it. And I'm like, yeah, of course we're going to see it. So I got, normally I'll get the tickets like a week, two, three weeks in advance. Normally well in advance. Yeah. This time... I didn't jump on the, you know, the, the buying it three or four weeks in advance. I bought it a week in advance. And then the day, the Thursday that the film came out, I had picked my, my kid up at school early cause she wasn't feeling well. She had a, she had a headache and I'm like, well, maybe we shouldn't go to the movie tonight. She's like, I don't think so. Would you mind? I'm like, no, it's okay. You're not feeling well. We'll figure out another time. And we talked about it and we started thinking, well, maybe we'll go this day. And three weeks later, we still haven't seen it. And we won't see it. Certainly not in theaters. Maybe when it comes out on, you know, when it's not streaming on Disney Plus and we don't have to, you know, schlep out to a movie that doesn't seem like either one of us really want to see. And well, if I could, uh, could interject, I, I feel like I was the inverse. Like I didn't care too much for the first Captain Marvel movie. I thought it was good. But uh, we went out and saw uh, the Marvels and it was kind of the inverse. I really enjoyed it. It's a very tight hour and a half hmm. and it's kind of one of those like all killer, no filler movies. It's a lot of fun and it it just goes and it has uh, one of the better post credits sequences uh, in recent memory. I did find the post credits. I like since I realized I'm not going to see it. I did look it up and you're right. That's it's exciting. Um. I, you know, we'll watch it. That's the thing. We'll watch it. But it just sort of felt like, you know, for the first time, you know, maybe with Guardians 3, you know, maybe I had a little bit of that as well. But it really felt as though I was under an obligation to see the film versus the excitement of going to see the film. And I think that that was very significant to me. And you, and regardless, I'm glad that you loved it because, you know, you're a tough critic. You know, and you are. And I don't say it jokingly. You you are. So I'm really glad that you enjoyed it. I think it's great. Um, and I've also seen other people. You know, you see it online where you know some people really did enjoy it, and that's fantastic. That's what that's what you want. And that's what you should want. Um, but I think just based on the numbers alone, that poor showing, 47 million for an opening weekend, something wasn't right. And I think that you i think there's a lot of people that probably would have would have preferred um captain marvel 2 that would be my guess if you you know something and something that maybe you know i think everybody misses the avengers mm -hmm. and that's not a criticism at all because i think that endgame was a fantastic finale for so many of those characters but you know if you would have gotten a captain marvel 2 i think you know, you pro there probably would have been a, a greater reaction. Maybe not. Like Brie Larson is divisive for you know a lot of like the the fanboys out there. Mm -hmm. But I think every 
everything Marvel right now is a little, you know, the T, like Secret Invasion. What you know, I think you and I talked about it. I thought it started pretty well with a good first episode, and then just kind of just careened down an unpleasant road of just not being great. Um, yeah, and I will say that uh, you know, to your to your point, there hasn't been like since like Eternals, Black Widow, uh, Wakanda Forever. There's not that immediacy for having to see the Marvel movies right now. It's it's no, kind of we'll, they're all we'll just wait. like filling yeah they're all filling space right now like uh, Guardians three was great uh, I really enjoyed Ant Man for what it was uh, I thought Doctor Strange was fantastic that we're getting yeah. into like last so year territory but uh, yeah it's just kind of you know it's I think it's telling that there's industry or genre fatigue a little bit so yeah I don't know uh, you know I I think you know I think part of it is are they making are they making movies right now that people want to see or feel desperate to see? Right. And I just don't think that they are right now. Um, I think, you know, not that, you know, the strike wasn't good. The, the, neither the writer nor the actor strike was good for anybody really. Um, you know, in the short term, hopefully it is for everybody involved in the long term, but mm -hmm. um, it may have been good for Marvel because, there's only one Marvel film coming out in 2024 and that's Deadpool three that I think everybody is excited about and that I think not me. the well, get out of here. What's your problem? Why not? I don't give a shit about Deadpool. <laughs> like it looks, <laughs> it looks like it's going to be something like, you know, I feel it's a, you know, a little cheap that Hugh Jackman's coming back, but I guess it doesn't invalidate Logan from what they've said, but it right. does kind of sound like they're, closing the book finally on the Marvel Fox universe. And it seems like they're taking a kitchen sink approach and everything's going to be in there. Like Jennifer Garner's coming back and, mm -hmm. and who who knows who else. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, okay. I Not everybody's excited, but I think a lot of people are, are excited and, you know, people are talking about it in a way that no one's been talking about Marvel films in, in, in a little while now. So, and I think that's good. There's only going to be one Marvel film next year. So that's great. Yeah. You know, should we be a little wary that Captain America New World Order is like doing like four, four or five months of reshoots for in, it got moved to February, 2025? Maybe. Um, but, you know, I, I think if you build a movie that, that people want to see and you, and you make it exciting, uh, people will come. Like, and yeah. so I think Deadpool, Deadpool is one of them, you know, and really, I think probably, you know, they've got time to get Fantastic Four right. And that's a couple of years away. And I think that people are, could be very excited about that if you hit the right cast, which it sounds like they are. But I think that, so Marvel for me was, you know, was a big pop culture story, um, you know, music wise. Um, you know, how, if you have Apple music, you know, or if you have Spotify, like you've got your, like, what did you listen to most or what have you? And anyone who goes to BitFamPop Pop knows that my favorite band is Yes. And they put out a new album that was really, really good this year. Uh, so for me, that was really exciting. Uh, we had an interview with Jeff Downs, who is uh, the band's keyboardist and always reliable to tell us some good stories about making a new album with the band. Um, but apart from that, we also had a new Rolling Stones album, which for me was absolutely fantastic. There's 
if you follow the stones uh like so many people do historically every new album since 1981 has been the best new album since 1981 uh the new album is absolutely the best album since 1981 and i think everybody would probably agree to that so music wise that was that was pretty great um but yeah you know i think in terms of what we look at on the website um the mcu stuff was really big you know i know you're going to talk with uh or what we're going to hear later from uh jeffrey x martin and such and hindu hindu and they'll talk about horror and they watched a lot of horror this year like they watched a ton of horror that was uh that they really uh that they really enjoyed um yeah i mean in terms of me like it, it was the 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 fall of the mcu right now is the thing that sticks most in my head what about you what sort of like on your your pop culture radar of biggest stories well it was a great year for star trek which is uh <laughs> something yeah we had uh, Picard season three, which was absolutely amazing. The first two seasons were good, but this one was really like I, I am content. Like it, uh, yeah. you know, it, it gives a lot of the next generation cast to their ending and it sets up for what's the, the next next generation. Um, Strange New Worlds continued to be excellent. Um, you mentioned Secret Invasion that started strong, but ended kind of like a, with a wet fart. It didn't really even lead into the marvels at all it just kind of that's what i heard yeah Which uh Lo no loki sense, was right? yeah loki was great that was something um that's interesting let's... you're way more positive than i expected <laughs> really <laughs> yeah just which is great which is great uh this is gonna blow your mind I, I enjoyed the flash for what it was i enjoyed the flash as well i thought it was i thought it was a lot of fun there was a lot of baggage that came with that. Like I couldn't in good conscience, like buy a ticket for it, like financially support it. And the, the movie, the movie tanked, but uh, yeah, like if it's a well done film, like I thought like, I really, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Viewed in a vacuum, like without out any, any of the baggage, it was a good superhero movie. And yeah, like, I don't know, maybe I'll see another flash movie in my lifetime. That's why it stung a lot. Cause flash is one of my favorite characters. And uh, you know, really speaking of closing books, it really kind of closes the book on that portion of the DC EU or whatever. Yeah. Um, the, uh, my adventures of Superman cartoon was a lot of fun. I didn't expect that. Huh. Uh, what, what else? Uh, the new Ninja Turtles cartoon movie was also similarly, similarly a lot of fun. Uh, Spider-Verse I was, was good, but it suffered. A it bit didn't quite sequel. have the, the, it was good. I enjoyed it as well. And, and my kid enjoyed it as well. But I don't know if it had the the same sort of mind blowingness that the first one had. But, you know, sequels are kind of like that. It definitely had a Return of the Jedi or sorry, uh, Empire Strikes Back ending, which is cool. But I heard a lot of groaning when it was over in my theater because I don't think people expected that kind of ending. Yeah, it's it suffered from sequel itis a little bit where they have to like the first movie is essentially as a closed loop. Uh, yes. you know, there, there was the promise of other adventures, but with this one, they had to build the world and there's a lot of exposition going on and it was all great, but you know, they, it's, it's overstuffed a little bit. Yes. Uh, um, and now we Indiana have to wait. Jones. I don't think I didn't see Indiana Jones yet. I've been meaning to on the, uh, I know it's on Disney plus now. How was it for you? It happened. It happened. 
<laughs> it was <laughs> it happened. It's not the worst Indiana Jones movie. Uh, Kingdom Kingdom of the Crystal Skull will, will forever hold that title. Yes, um, it's one of the worst films I've ever seen. <laughs> this it was good. Like it was it was uh, you know Harrison Ford's definitely eighty, and yeah. like it's one of those like I was you know I'm glad to, you know that it was the year 2023 and I was uh, going to the movies on my birthday with my folks to see Indiana Jones, yeah. and it was it was fine it didn't it didn't need to be though it didn't need to be a thing so you know we're not going to get another one i'm i can t- i'm relatively certain about that i believe that as well now what would you say your favorite film of the year was uh, i don't know like it's all it's i didn't like i just kind of have a like a scattershot list of the stuff i saw and yeah. I, it, it's hard to pick a favorite because it's all just it's all grist for the mill. It's all content. Um, <laughs> OK, well, like nothing, okay. nothing stood out to me, really. Have you rewatched any of the films that you saw this year? Any of the new films? Um. Well, yeah, like definitely like I've rewatched Guardians. Guardians was, you know, was good. Like it's it's mm-hmm. definitely a good ending to that chapter or, you know, that that series like. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I've rewatched, you know, the majority of the things I listed and. Okay. You know, none of them are particularly egregious to me. Like I didn't like rewatch. <laughs> be like, I didn't rewatch any. And it was like, ah, that was, that was no, that Oops, wasn't any good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so they were I'll all fine. I'll tell you that I'll, I'll say for me, still my favorite film of the year as of December 3rd, 2023, the date that we are recording this is, uh, Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid. Okay. Um, people either love that movie or hated that movie. And I loved it. Now, I haven't gone back to watch it yet. I've got it in my iTunes. But for three hours, I was really like in an IMAX theater. Um, I was really like, I can't believe what I'm watching. What am I watching? This is a crazy film with great performances and really like this guy just went for it. Right. Maybe he's never going to have a budget like he had uh, for Poe is afraid. And uh, it was at a premiere screening here in Toronto and, and Ari Aster was there. And afterwards I had to leave. He was going to do a Q and a, but I had to get home. So I was going to miss the Q and a, but I asked him as, as I was getting out and, and, and I saw him, I was like, Ari. And he's like, yes, like kind of like, uh Oh, and I said, that movie was fucking phenomenal. And like all the people around him were like, okay. <laughs> and I was just like, I really, really dug it. Um, so that kind of remains my favorite, uh, my favorite film of the year. I thought that it was really just, I, I love people like just going for it. Do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. seeing what they could do, pushing the boundaries. And I, and, and for a mainstream a film that didn't, I mean, it bombed. But it got into a bunch of theaters and it's kind of like, you know, like a window of time when David Lynch was getting into like, you know, your your like mall cineplex, right? Like same kind of deal. But was afraid is not like is, you know, it's an art movie more than anything else. But this dude got 30 million and was able to uh, and was able to like get it into middle America or middle Canada, as it were. So uh, really, yeah. really love that one a lot. I saw Asteroid City also, you know, any 
How like was we that? got multiple. It was great. Like uh, you know, we got multiple Wes Anderson things this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we got that. We got uh, the little mini films he did for Netflix, which were really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, it was a good year. There wasn't anything that really stands out to me as being explicitly bad, but it's all just kind of. You know, like I'm at that point where, like I said, it's all just content at this point. And like, I I didn't feel awful having walked out of the theater, having seen any of these. So I guess that's the highest praise I can offer. That's good. Well, yeah, I mean, the worst thing to do, like, I firmly believe that life is too short to watch bad movies or bad TV. Like there's enough that like I'll start something and really like if you if it doesn't really grab me, I'm like, I got to go do something else. I cannot invest my time in something that you know isn't working for me god bless you know you know when people like things that don't work hey, i mean uh jeff and uh or uh, jeffrey x martin and sachin will talk probably about talk to me when they discuss horror and uh, that was a movie that i was all amped up to see um and it didn't do anything for me mm-hmm. but i'm in the minority right like it wasn't terrible by far but it's like people adore that film i was like yeah no it didn't really uh it really didn't do much but and on that note we're gonna go ahead and cut to uh one of us talking to somebody else at this point i don't know what the running order is going to be so we are going to uh take a break and we'll see you in the next segment And I am joined by J.P. Falavita. I just butchered your last name, even though, <laughs> even though we, uh, even though we practiced it. But we did. Uh, I will. I had it right the first time. I, we'll, you did. We'll, we'll leave yeah. it in though. So, J.P. Uh, famous for our Wednesday Run column with Biff Bam Pop, and we're going to go ahead and talk about 2023 in comic books. So, how was your 2023 comic book wise? What stood out to you? Oh, uh, so my, my 2023 comic books were, um, I mean, obviously I've got the, the Wednesday run weekly column where you highlight, you know, uh, uh, one, sometimes two, mostly one uh, a comic every week um, that is of interest, I guess, right? Um, most times I'm, 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 I'm attempting to read them. I don't always get a, get a chance to read them all. I've got uh, two, two little kids, so uh, that takes mm-hmm. up a, a lot of my time between that and the, and the paying gig. Um, both of them pay in just in different ways, you know. It's just right. uh, it's tough to, to 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 keep up with all the reading, but um, for most often, I think this past year, it's been um, um, my compilation sort of purchases too. So, uh, you know, you highlight something on a weekly basis, something that I think would be interesting for both myself and maybe for anybody who's reading. Um, that's off the sh- that stands out on the shelf, and then um, and then you, and then you know you know you go to the bookstore, you go to the comic book shop, or you go to Amazon or wherever it is you're you're purchasing your stuff, and uh, and it's the compilations too that I that I try to get through. Yeah, you're just building your library out. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I still got, uh, you know, so I, I still got most of my collection at my parents' place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all, all the monthlies are there. Yep. Um, and a lot of the hardcovers and those and the the absolutes and stuff like that. But uh, uh, I've got a couple of shelves that are dedicated to me here in the house. Um, most of the shelves are dedicated for the kids, um, but I have a couple, and uh, they're. I'm trying to make them grow. Yeah, yeah I just uh, this year I was big into purchasing the IDW uh, reprints of the Mirage TMNT comics. Yeah. So the the old Ninja Turtles stuff from the '80s. Yeah. Just I've really kind of uh, 
went hard on those. Like, I think I got the first three or four volumes and that they've been so enjoying, uh, enjoyable just because that was stuff that I read when it was coming out. Yeah. And there's also the added benefit of the, the two creators kind of provide insight into what was going on during the production of the books. Nice. IDW does a great job of putting, uh, putting compilations together, right? Like they're, it's an amazing publishing company, whether it's a, what for first for comic books for for artists you know um it's just a just they're always a treat to take a look at now are, are you reading uh what are your go-tos on a weekly basis i know you don't get a chance to read everything but yeah um, um like superhero wise do you lean more marvel do you lean more dc i've i've, I've I'm, I'm a dc kid so i've always been a, a, a dc guy as opposed to a marvel person although i have um followed the odd uh writer or artist into the marvel universe mm -hmm. um nothing nothing superhero stands on out to me though uh, over the last uh not really anyway over the last uh last year on a monthly basis um maybe because it's fresh in my mind um there's the new flash series that's out which is good um, yeah yeah i mean it's been making what well, people have been talking really good about it or good things about it right so um Cy Spurrier is is the writer there, um, and uh, I I I mean I fell in love with him when he was doing he did some, some of the dreaming for DC, right? Um, and then he had a great spell on um, on Hellblazer, um, John Constantine, and so I mean I'm a big fan of that particular character, and not many people get that character right in for me. Um, they don't necessarily write uh, John Constantine the way I, I I like to see him or read him. But Cy Spurrier did. Um, previous to him, maybe Andy Diggle did a great job, did a great little run for about a year and a half or so, two years maybe. Um, so yeah, so I, I saw some interviews with Cy um, um, regarding uh, the, his Flash series, and I just, I, uh, you know, I, I like to follow him. Mm -hmm. So you, you kind of follow uh, creators over characters, would you say? I think at this point in time, yeah. Um, I mean, there's certain characters that will make their way into like maybe like standalone one shots here and there, or graphic novels, or now these black label sort of books from DC and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But I, I, I think um, for my, for myself, it's um, there's the odd character that I'll follow wherever they may lead. Constantine being one of them, the question being another one. Um, but it's uh, it's it's writers and mainly writers and, and artists that I'll follow see where they will see where they go with their stories and yeah. a lot of them have been going to outside of the big two yeah so like uh are you finding it's mostly image because it's kind of almost the big three you know for the last like what 30 years true yeah yeah um i mean image has gotten quite a few people to go dark horse has has, has been able to woo a mm -hmm. number of people on over to them uh there's some news that dropped today that it was was it mark miller that's uh that's moving his portfolio of titles on over to Dark Horse, I think. Oh, the the Miller World books. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. not, that's 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 big news in, in the in comic book world, right? So, uh, um, certainly Dark Horse is looking for for um, publishable entities, I suppose, right? Yeah. Um, and that's oh, Miller can Miller can put them on out there uh, more more than the than the rest of them, really. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I found that. Uh... You know, Dark Horse, IDW, Boom has been a real mm. solid publisher in recent years. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to think of who else. Uh, I don't read as many, you know, since I'm not on a regular comics beat right now, I'm not really reading as many indie books as I should. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, it's a weird, you know, weekly obligation, you know, for 
for me going to the store like i was reading uh spider-man this yeah. this uh this year for a period of time but actually i had i dropped the book the yeah. it was really just kind of all over the map in terms of quality and i'm feeling the same thing with uh the mainline batman book right at the moment right who's writing that one right now um uh, Randy, who's writing detective i think yeah it's uh is it chips is it chips yeah, yeah 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 and i don't know like that one's on the bubble for me right now because i just got uh the previews for i think february or march and they're doing a joker year one mm -hmm. like they're they're doing the origin of the joker allegedly okay and, and that just kind of seems i don't know i mean it's just somebody's take on it. it's always with joker so somebody's take on the joker right and an origin on the joker there is no origin yeah did you right. uh did you read three jokers at all that no uh, that's... you know what I no, I steered I steered clear of it on purpose. Really? Yeah, yeah. I I really had no interest in that in in that story. Uh, um, I you know okay, like you know you it was Jeff Jeff Johns right yeah. writing mm -hmm. writing that stuff. Um, but I no, I just had no interest in it. I mean, for me, there's there's a Joker, and he wreaks havoc, and he's Batman's arch ne nemesis, and he he's published all too often, and. Uh, and I just couldn't get my head around there, you know, the I even the, the conceit that there's three of them out there. I just it sounded ridiculous to me. Yeah, it was it's a very divisive book. And yeah. I don't know, maybe borrow it from the library and read it, see yeah. what you think of it. But um I mean who's who's illustrated? Uh, was it Jason Fay book? Yeah. It was yeah, I mean great artist. Yeah, the art was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um they had uh James Tinian before he left DC had that Joker book that ran for about 18 months or so. Right. Uh didn't read it. Did you did you catch any of it? I, I read it all. It was uh less of a Joker book, more of a Jim Gordon book. Okay. So it was Jim Gordon hunting the Joker. And it was kind okay. of it was an interesting approach. Like you kind of expected like the the Joker book from the 70s where it was his title. Yeah. But he's almost a, a non-entity in the the series. Um and Tinian, I, he's he's great. He knocks it out of the park every time. Mm -hmm. um, reminds me what you mean in terms of what the way it was that you said it was you know it's a Joker title, but it's it's a Gordon book. It reminds me of GCPD, like or Gotham Central. Yeah, right. Which is um, um, an all time fave. It was a great great series, and I, and I didn't read that on a monthly basis. This so this goes back what about a decade, decade and a half or so. I, I think longer. Great. Yeah, uh, I didn't read that on a monthly basis. I read it as a compilation. Uh, like in the hardcovers, when they started releasing the hardcovers, I think there was like four or five hardcover compilations, mm -hmm. and, and then an omnibus, which I, which I also picked up. Um, <laughs> but that's a great, like that's a great series. Just like you know, like this is Batman is everywhere, and yet he's not seen in you know in in the story. It's it's amazing. It's a, his his influence is everywhere. But this is a story about the cops um, and how they deal with uh, you know some of these some of these crazies that are out there. Yeah, and that was kind of what I was hoping when, you know, ages ago when they did the Gotham TV show, I was mm -hmm. hoping they were going to do like a, you know, Gotham Central type thing instead of, you know, Batman year negative two or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, I know. I felt the same way. It just, it, it missed, it missed the mark of what I, I thought could have been a, a really great series for the ages. Um, and it's certainly, it missed the mark from what I was hoping for. Did you, uh, you know, with regards to comics, did you take in any kind of other comic book media this year? Like, you know, the the movies, Marvel, DC, anything? Yeah, um, I haven't caught a lot of, caught a lot of the films. Um, I'm I'm trying to catch up on the on the, the Marvel, like the Phase Four stuff. Mm -hmm. Is the Phase Four is that where we're at right now? I think five, maybe five, maybe. Know. Yeah, um, 
Andy and so, I spoke previously about how it's kind of um, optional at this point. It feels like it's a bit of a, um, like a mushy middle ground, right? Yeah. Where before they get their legs, hopefully they get their legs back a little bit in terms of uh, of story and, and momentum more than anything else, I think, right? It's, um, I mean, that whole, what, the first like 20 movies or whatever it was, it was just yeah. so, I mean, it's just, it was different than anything you we've ever experienced in pop culture. Um, uh, how, how do you, how do you top that? And like the ending of they, you know, they, they landed it. How, how, how do you, how do you, how do you get started on something new when something was so great and the actors were perfectly cast and not, not an easy thing to do. And, you know, and, and I guess the beginning of this year uh, saw sort of a bit of momentum sort of, or at least interest shift over to, or maybe like divisively. Uh, shift on over to what D- the DC universe was going to do under James Gunn, right? Um, yeah, like uh, I'm, you know, I'm not the the biggest, you know, everybody likes Superman, uh, but I have found myself reading uh, the new Superman title and some of the other associated. I've really liked uh, the John Kent Superman books as well as uh, the Fire and Ice miniseries that's going on right now. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's James Gunn, so he does have that cachet in the industry, yeah. uh, especially with comic book movies. And I am looking forward to what he's going to do with uh, the Superman. I think it's Superman Legacy is what Legacy. it's titled right now. Yeah, it seems like a lot of characters are going to be in this thing. Um, you know, you worry about when there's too many, like too many characters. Right. You have that that sort of worry as a fan and as a, as a moviegoer, but uh, that everybody gets the right amount of screen time. But... To, you know to move the story forward but um you know i i i've i've learned i, I think a- a- andrew's been uh um has been a teacher to a certain degree with me to just like let let things go i mean if you know you, the old stories or the old movies that you absolutely adore they're always going to be there you can always go back to them if you want to yep let somebody else have a crack and if you like it you like it and if you don't you don't and um you know, we tend to be positive on the website too, right? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't want to. I, I personally, I don't. I, and I think it, you know, to, to everybody involved too, you don't really want to waste your time writing a something that disparages or that you don't like. You know, talk about things that you like. Yeah, and that's yeah. very much where I am with my fandom right now. If it's something that I'm not interested in, or I'm, I'm okay with saying that something is not for me. Yeah. Like if it's just uh, like, I think either. Previously to the segment or coming up, I had some less than kind things to say about the forthcoming Deadpool movie with mm. regards to what I feel about it. But uh, that's that's how I felt when I saw the first Deadpool movie. Not for me. And yeah. Yeah. I watched the second one on like uh, streaming. Didn't do anything for me also. But this one, it kind of seems like it's going to demand my attention. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, well, I mean, you got Wolverine. Yeah, right. Right. That helps. Yeah. Um, Deadpool's not really for me either. Yeah, it was, it was never a character that spoke to me, and I was never really all that interested. All, you know, although I do have like the odd hardcover in my collection. Um, but it, no, it wasn't. I, I, I was the same as you. I, I went to go see the first film. I was just like, I can move on. I, I can see something else. I don't need to see the sequel. I don't need to. You know, it's not. It's not my bag. Yeah, like time. Time is limited. So it's you know. Time's limited. It's like uh, <laughs> time is limited. You know so, why? Why spend time watching something or reading something you don't like? Yeah, right. A hundred percent. And why waste time tearing it down for other people? Like, you know, there's enough of that on the internet, Eric. Yeah, and like, thankfully, Twitter's imploded. So I've been like, <laughs> I, I've been disconnected from like pop culture this year with you know 
fifth band pop has been my only kind of input and output for pop culture and how I relate to it. So it's been refreshing. Like I, I delight in not knowing stuff. Yeah. Right. Like it, it, for, you know, for sure. Like there's a bunch of movies I'm just getting caught up on. Like I used to be before, you know, before the kids, I used to be a big, (laughs) big movie goer, big pop culture fan. And I still am, but in some ways I'm a bit of a poser these days. I'm like, I'm like behind, like, you know, like I said, I'm just getting into phase four or five of the Marvel universe. I, (laughs) I watched Indiana Jones and the it's the most recent one. <laughs> uh, Dial of Dial. Destiny. I watched it for the first time the other night. The kids were in bed. I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay up. I'm I'm awake. I'll I'll go downstairs quietly into the basement and and watch that thing and um enjoy the second enjoy the second half of it. Didn't like the fir- didn't like the first half. Didn't like the, you know the, the the amount of time spent on a 30 40 year old Harrison Ford. I I want I, mm. I I liked I liked the second half of it more. It was okay. It was alright. Yeah. It was yeah. fine. It didn't it didn't need to happen, but it was, you know, good for what it was. Exactly. We're yeah. not getting another one, I don't think. No, that's they they're adamant about that, which leads me to believe that, you know, in five, ten years they're gonna reboot the thing. Yeah, maybe. A hundred percent they're gonna reboot it. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. So wrapping things up, yeah. Uh comic book wise, uh just going back to comics, like is there anything that really just blew your uh, blew the doors off for you this year? Yeah, there's a couple of things and they're going to be in the gift guide. Um I mean nice. they're compilations. These are all things that you know that uh that were issued either, you know, on a monthly or bi-monthly basis sort of thing and then and then compiled together. Um really the one art, I mean from a storyline perspective but, but specifically from an artistic perspective is um there's the Wonder Woman Historia Mm-hmm. That was released. It's uh, a black label book. Uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick uh, wrote it. I think it was three three issues, three, like almost three double sized issues originally, and that goes back about a year and a half or so, I suppose. It's three different artists um, on them. Um, uh, there was Nicholas Scott. There was I want to say Gene Ha, Gene Ha maybe. That sounds right. Yeah, and um, Phil is it Phil Jimenez? Yes. Yeah, he did the first issue um eisner award-winning issue and that that is some of the most beautiful artwork you're ever going to see it was it's absolutely gorgeous so uh, uh as a compilation i mean it's going to make the the gift guide this year mm, definitely um it's a i mean it's a it's a it's a dense story about the you know the history behind the amazons um i mean if you go back to my favorite wonder woman run monthly run it's the, the george perez um run from like 86 or 87 for classic yeah right it's like all time all time run um so what he did with that run for wonder woman um and then even what he did post crisis with marv wolfman with the history of the dc universe yep um this goes in depth on the 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 amazons the pantheon of gods all that sort of thing and it's just my understanding is it's going to be like it's meant to be almost like a trilogy Mm -hmm. so three issues of Historia of the Amazons and then three issues more modern time and then three issues like telling a story going along where Wonder Woman becomes the Wonder Woman we all know and, and, and love. So oh, nice. Well, hopefully those other ones get published. Yeah. Hopefully they get done. But that it's a it's a beautiful book. Amazing. Um another one too is um and like I said, I'm a DC guy. So there's the Swamp Thing Green Hell book from Jeff Lemire and uh Doug love Jeff Lemire. Yeah. Yeah. Lo- uh, loved him since you know since uh Sweet, Sweet Tooth and uh, um, Essex County before that. Essex County, yep. Yeah, um, which I don't know whether you've gotten a chance to see it. It's a, it's a CBC series, um, miniseries. I, I haven't seen it yet just because my uh, my antenna, even though I'm right on the water uh, mm-hmm. here in Michigan, I don't get the CBC for some reason. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. Maybe online. Maybe. I could probably, you know, do some VPN trickery and yeah, figure it yeah. out, but I really want to see it because Essex County is one of my all-time favorites. It's a great story. Um, you know, and so I haven't seen the TV series adaptation yet either. It's one of those things where I got to get caught up on. Yep. So, um, but yeah, um, that, that introduced me to Jeff Lemire and then, and then his sweet tooth, which I loved. So I follow him. He's one of those guys that you follow around. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, Swamp and Green Hell. So it's a, you know, futuristic sort of take on a swamp thing that's, you know, like not around anymore. And there's a new beast that comes on out and there's a lot of mayhem and blood and gore and dismembering. Nice. Um, and, and John Constantine's in it. So you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Excellent. So that was, that's that's a good one. Uh, and then some of the other compilations too. They're gonna you know that um, that have that have come on out too. Um, one of my f- all time favorites is Sandman Mystery Theater. Yes. Um, so that just got got compiled into like a soft cover uh, omnibus. Um, the first like 30, 30 or thirty five issues of the series. So there'll be a, a volume two at some point in time. Um, but if you like detective noir. Um, you know, circa 1938, just before, you know, World War II type time frame, New York City. And all of the, the things that are inherent in that, in that time frame. Um, it's a great, great series to read. And it's got, uh, so Matt Wagner is, is the writer, along with Stephen T. Seagal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guy Davis, before he became, uh, I guess he moved on over to Dark Horse shortly thereafter and became big with um, the, the Magnolia universe there. Right. Um, with Hellboy. All that kind of stuff. I think. I think if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, Guy Davis is his his artwork is beautiful. It's great. It's kind of sc- scratchy and you know kind of sketchy. Um, yeah. But like really like atmospheric, and perfect for the story. It's really really nice. Yeah, I just picked up a uh, a used copy. I think of the first uh, collected six issues of that. It's fantastic, right. and I'm, I was so glad to see there was a, a compendium or an omnibus that came out. Yes, the compendium. Yes, compendium one. Um, yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. So if you have the time, if you like noir, it's perfect. It's perfect. Well, excellent. Yeah, well, so that, that'll be there. Excellent. Lots well, of other things, too. If, if, I just want to give a quick shout oh, yeah. out, too. Sure. Uh, before we go, Bill Watterson, Calvin and Hobbes just came back. Yes, yes. The Mysteries. How, have you read it? Uh, it's on order. It's coming It's coming to me. Um, I should have it in the next day or two for myself. Treat okay. myself to a Christmas present. And then if it's uh maybe we'll read it to the kids we'll see how things go it's a little bit more adult fairy tale yeah but it's beautiful beautiful i've i've seen some of it i'm really i've you know been you know since we're coming into the holiday season here as we record this i'm yeah. i've been holding off on buying it just in case somebody picks it up for me 100 uh, yeah. but yeah i'm so looking forward to it. like it's his first kind of uh work in like 30 years it's been a long time Mm-hmm. a long time and uh, there's an interesting video online I'll, I'll link to it in the in the, the gift guide uh there's an interesting video that shows showcases him and like the the process between him and i i don't have um K- Kashik or something like that is the other illustrator that's part of this yeah they, so they did their the story is the story is bill waters bill waterson's and the artwork is a mis- mishmash sort of like a sculptural and painting photography piece between the two between the two artists um it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful work. Well, great. Everybody should have it under their tree. I would hope so. Well, JP, yeah. it was great speaking with you. I really appreciate all the uh, comic book insight and uh, looking forward to more of it in 2024. Sounds great. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for putting this all together. Hell yeah. Thanks, man. All right. And I am here with Jerome Graham to talk about the year 2023 in music jerome how was your 2023 musically 
musically, it was a really solid year. I feel like I end up saying that every year, but uh, this year was particularly good. Excellent. Now, uh, what stood out for you? I've I've seen your Spotify wrapped, so I know like what you've been listening to, but is there anything like that uh, you heard for the first time this year that really kind of caught your attention? Ooh, for the first time. Uh, there's a Scottish group, uh, Young Fathers. They're kind of like a indie pop uh, alternative act uh, out of Scotland. They dropped an album, Heavy Heavy, this past February. And that kind of really blew me away. They weren't on my radar at all prior to uh, hearing that album. And it just was a really great listen. They pulled from a lot of different sounds. And I think the thing that I loved best about that album was that it was pretty short. I feel like (laughs) so many albums now are overly long and have too many tracks on them. And usually that's to sort of game the streaming numbers. So it kind of sacrifices some of the art there, but this was like a solid 10 tracks at just over a half hour. So it's a great listen. No, you, you raise an interesting point. Are you an, are you an album listener? Do you put on something to listen front to back or? Uh, For the most part, I am an album listener. Um, I just find you kind of really get the best feel for what the artist is going for if you just sit down and listen to that whole body of work from start to finish. But then on the flip side, I'm such like a big fan of dance and electronic music. And so much of that tends to be singles based. So kind of a mix of the two, but yeah, if someone puts out an album, I'll usually sit down and listen to the whole thing. As the artist intended, right? Uh, yeah, usually. (laughs) Now you said that they, uh, that some artists out there are kind of doing like longer records to kind of game the streaming thing. Do you see people, do you see artists trending that way now? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's like those weeks where I don't know if you follow the charts. I'm kind of a bit of a chart nerd when it comes to music. So (laughs) those weeks when you see, Drake or Taylor Swift or Justin Bieber have, you know, 20 songs in the top 40. It's because they've got an album that's got like 30 songs on it. Really? (laughs) It's deliberate. Yeah. Wow. Now we're a few years on from uh, 2020 and like, have you gotten back into the swing of going to see live music? Oh, God. Yeah, definitely. As soon as uh, that kind of became a thing, I hit the ground running and caught up on all of the shows that I didn't get to see in 2020, 2021. Um, Who did I see this year? I saw Depeche Mode twice. They're my favorite band. So had to see them. Uh, The Murder Capital, they were great. Beyonce, I saw Lil Yachty. Um, I'm sure I'm leaving out a bunch of shows. I saw Janet Jackson as well. Uh, it kind of hit like a mix of shows. Like I love the big stadium acts, but mm. just sort of give me like a great band and like a 
dive bar that works just as well too. How hard were the Beyonce tickets to come by? Uh, surprisingly not too hard. They were expensive. We didn't have great seats. They were nosebleeds and they were not cheap, but um, I was just glad to be there. Yeah, a few years back, I saw Jack White at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. And uh, I went there because I was at the Third Man Records store uh, in the city. And I, I bought a couple 45s. And they said, if you buy one more 45, you can get uh, tickets to the concert for $5. Oh, so that's I, a great deal. Yeah. And I who was I to say no? So I bought... Uh, two tickets and I probably paid for, you know, face price for the tickets for what I paid in parking. And we weren't in the last row, but we were in the second to last row and it was obstructed view. So. <laughs> well, at least you were there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, what other, what other acts, uh, what other records like uh, stood out to you this year? Ooh, let's see. Um, well, I mentioned them already. Depeche Mode dropped mm. an album this March called Memento Mori. That stood out um, just because that was the first album that they released since the untimely passing of bandmate and uh, co-founding member Andy Fletch Fletcher. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of Depeche Mode fans were kind of unsure or uncertain about what the future of the band would be after Fletch passed. So for that album to drop and it to be really great was definitely a promising start to the year. Um, What else? Uh, Corinne Bailey Ray dropped an album, Black Rainbows, that Mm -hmm. dropped in September. That was really fun, especially seeing the reaction to it, because it was a bit of a departure record. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she was sort of best known for uh, a song she put out in 2006 called Put Your Records On. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of like a coffee house pop soul sort of thing. Yeah. Um, And this record is kind of her going back to her roots. So like pre getting her solo deal, she was in a Riot Girl band. So kind of very much in that vein of like Hole and L7 and Veruca Salt and all those great bands. Um, So this is definitely a more aggressive and loud album. Still some great R&B moments. There's like a piano ballad on there too, but like this was definitely her shocking people and kind of seeing how people took to it was, was uh, amusing, but uh, the album's great. Was it, was it fairly divisive in how people were receiving it or? Definitely. I I think a lot of people didn't know how to take it. You know, you had some people that were definitely open to hearing her sort of rocking out a little bit. I know the first single, uh, New York Transit Queen, I think I got that right, uh, was kind of uh, a left, uh, came out of left field for some people. Uh, But then, you know, I just think it worked. You know, there were a lot of big swings I found this year from artists. Not all of them were successful, but uh, I think this one worked for me. Okay. What didn't work for you? You you can't drop something like some of them weren't successful and then (laughs) move on. Um, 
don't want to throw anyone under the bus. Uh, I Nobody's, won't nobody say... will hear this. It's just us. Oh, of course. Just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I won't say this didn't work for me. I got what they were going for. It's the Lil Yachty album mm-hmm. uh, was kind of uh, heralded as like a big departure record. So he's like this really big um Gen Z kind of favorite hip hop artist. And he felt like to be taken seriously and be seen as more credible, he kind of needed to step outside of a hip hop box. So he put out like a psychedelic rock album, uh, you know, largely inspired by Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. I think the more I've sat with the album, the less I kind of think it really hit those sort of psychedelic rock notes and it's it's a good album i still listen to it from time to time and i saw him live and the tracks worked but i think it kind of maybe fell short a little bit okay okay so what else uh you mentioned a few acts already now depeche mode they've been doing it for like what 40 years thereabouts yeah thereabouts i think just over 40 okay Mm. And you said you really like their new record is I, I, I always I'm interested for bands that keep going like I'm no huge fan of the Rolling Stones and I just and maybe it's ageist of me I, I just wonder <laughs> like what they're doing or if they still have anything to contribute after uh, that sounds terrible but like are they saying are are they doing anything interesting with this new record? I think so. Um so Memento Mori, I feel like it kind of got heralded by a lot of fans as a return to form. Mm-hmm. So it sounded like what you would expect from Depeche Mode in 2023 versus the album that they put out in 2017, Spirit, which amongst Depeche Mode fans is maybe not the most warmly received project. Okay. Um, I think they kind of maybe got a little political on that one and that was kind of divisive. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's, they still sound great. You know, it's a lot of grief and dealing with sadness and heavy topics. And that's sort of what you go to Depeche Mode for. So (laughs) (laughs) That was going to be my follow-up question. Like, uh, so it seems like the record fell uh, post their bandmates' death in the recording. Would that be accurate? Definitely, yeah. Fletch passed in 2022. So mm. when this album dropped in March, I think people were just so ready and willing with open arms for, you know, new music from them. So it would have had to have been terrible to not be well-received. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because you kind of have to make that call as a band if you're going to stick it out or if you're going to, you know, have uh, go through the grieving process in a public forum like that. So that's that's interesting. Definitely, yeah. Um, seeing them live on this tour, I kind of expected that maybe the shows would be a little heavier, but uh, they weren't at all. Um, they certainly did. Uh, pay tribute to Fletch during the shows um, when they do the song World in My Eyes, which I guess was Fletch's favorite. They, you know, dedicate the song to him and show him on like the screens. But that was about it as far as like the 
the grief in the show. Yeah, it's it's kind of a probably a tightrope thing for them to walk, I would imagine, because they have to, you know, there are people that are Depeche Mode fans, you know, from way back that probably aren't keeping up with what's going on in the band currently that are just there for a night out. So they probably have to, they can't afford to be mired in the grief, I would imagine. That's right. You have to send the people home happy. Right. Yeah. Just play the songs I know. No tricks. <laughs> so are there, are, there any, are there any acts that came through Toronto this year that you missed out on or that didn't come through Toronto? Ooh, that didn't come through Toronto. I had tickets for Christine and the Queens. Mm-hmm. And that ended up getting canceled. So that's something that's been happening throughout uh, since concerts have opened back up. You know, a lot of artists are sort of pulling out of shows and tours. Uh, I think it's still kind of uncertain with, you know, COVID is still around. So people are still getting sick. And uh, so that was a bit of a bummer. Um, who else? I feel like I missed out on the Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. I've already seen them before, but I wanted to see them again. But they don't seem to be playing Toronto. Uh, and Greta Van Fleet, who I love. Uh, they didn't do Toronto either. <laughs> That's so strange. That's so, you know, because it's uh, considering, well, I know that the, the main guy lives down in, I think, Nashville now, but you know, they're from Michigan here, so they're right next door to Ontario. So you think they would kind of, you know, hit both. Yeah, you'd think, but uh, no Toronto dates. That's so strange. I, 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 I always find, like, the opposite almost to be true. It seems like a lot of acts will skip Detroit now and go right to Toronto, or they'll just kind of uh, go down to Ohio, up through New York, and then into Ontario. So it's, it's really weird that you guys are, because I, I figured that, you know, Toronto would be a huge you know, music destination for a lot of bands. Yeah, it. I mean, it usually is. You're pretty much guaranteed on a lot of tours, you know, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, at least. So hmm. now 2024, right around the corner, as much as we don't want to admit it. Uh, what are you looking forward to in 2024 music wise? Music wise, any um... shows, any records that are being teased, anything on the horizon? Definitely. So as far as shows, uh, I've got Madonna and the Red Hot Chili Peppers sort of speaking of acts that have been around for 40 years. (laughs) (laughs) I've got those coming up uh, next year. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing there's like a crop of Canadian artists that are doing really well. Um, you know, it's in the sort of latter half of the year, and I'm excited to see where they'll go in 2024. So, you know, Jamie Fine and Tate McRae and Sebastian Gaskin and Preston Pablo are all doing really cool things. So I'm excited to see where they end up in 2024. I know Tate in particular is um, starting to really break through in a big way in the States. So she just performed, I think it was on SNL maybe a couple weeks ago. So okay. she's really having a moment. Great. Well, excellent. Well, uh, thank you for taking the time to sit down and talk with me. I definitely, like I always, like your column is one of the must reads for me. I, it, I find like, 
I'm, I'm kind of insular in my music taste, so I'm always kind of looking to branch out, and I think this helps keep me relevant in some way. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. What have you been listening to this year? Uh, oh, boy. Well, let's see. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go ahead. We'll take this offline because I don't want to take up too much more of this time. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, we'll definitely continue the conversation. And I will go ahead and toss to Andy right now. So it's Andy Burns. Eric has probably thrown to me and our steampunk granny, one of the longest serving members of the <laughs> fifth band pop roster, Marie Gilbert. And we're going to talk about, so really we're talking about kind of like your year in pop culture in a way, Marie, and the stuff that, you know, what's some of the stuff, because, so you write your weekly column. um, Right. And you never seem to be at a loss as to something to write about, whether it's um, something that you've discovered or uh, you and I, I think, sometimes have very similar tastes yeah yes and so i there's been a few times over the year where i've said hey you might want to check this out you might you might like it and then you end up writing about it but what what kind of stands out in your mind as the things that you really like this year it doesn't have to be stuff that you wrote about but just like pop culture as a whole well um you know i i'm into science fiction and horror um I would say this year, I found watching foreign films and foreign sitcoms were surprisingly entertaining uh, to to the point where I found myself purposely seeking out foreign films to watch. And that really surprised me that... um, I felt that they were better done. The wow. writing, yeah. So, so, what what made you like seek them out, or was it like how how do you find your the stuff that you watch? A lot of times, um, people will recommend stuff to me. So you recommend, or I'll be on TikTok. I know. A seventy-seven-year-old granny on TikTok, but yeah, <laughs> so it's I'll amazing. be on TikTok. That's why you're yeah, so beloved, be Marie. That's incredible, and you'll yeah. look about twenty years younger, and you act about thirty or forty years younger. It's you Thank know you. you're Thank you're, you. you're our miracle really for the website. But okay, so you go on TikTok and you'll watch you'll you'll see what folks are talking about. Is that is that how you discover a lot of stuff? Right. And I'll see yeah, and I'll say sometimes they'll post the scene from a movie and you're like, Well, where did this come from? And um my sister is into foreign films too, so we started out watching BritBox and then on Netflix you normally when you go on Netflix uh, you go to the um, the shows that they tell you the biggest hits then and I found myself saying well there's got to be other things on Netflix not just the you know 
what everybody's watching. So sure. I started scrolling down, and that's how I found all these foreign films. And um, of course, I have to put closed captions on, and um, they're amazing. And I felt like I was writing more and more reviews mm-hmm. on foreign films this past year than I did on American films. You did do a ton. Yeah, for so, sure. I noticed that. Um, yeah. One of the things, I shouldn't say one of the things, but, you know, one of the um, one of the big things that brought you to the, the Biff and Pop table, as it were, years ago, was your love of The Walking Dead. Oh, yes. So, so this year we got not one, but two Walking Dead series. Yes. What I, now, now, what was the, there was the one set in New York. What was that one called? I can't remember off the top of my head. Um. Oh, God. My brain's not working right now. That's the one with Negan. All right. Yes. And um, but, um, I don't know why the name just went right out of my head because this is where I'm at right now in the middle yeah. of boxes, black boxes, my computer's away and I'm lucky. I know my name right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. What I, yeah. And you know what? I can't remember what it, what it was. And I'm not going to oh get my God, and That's horrible because it was a good show. I really, I really enjoyed. Um, was it dead something? The walking dead. Dead. Uh, a dead, city. dead city. Dead city. Right, right, right. Thank you for rattling my brains and getting them working. And what was surprising, I love that series. I really did. Did I lose your voice? No, keep going. Oh, okay. Um, but my but my favorite was The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, because it was filmed in France and it gave you a whole new perspective of um, series watching especially since I developed this love of foreign films over the, this past year. And here, The Walking Dead went overseas. And I was right. like, this is perfect, you know? Was that, Kinda you know, are, were you surprised at how much you enjoyed both those shows? Because I think... You- yes. Very surprised. I'm going to tell you why, Andy. Uh, when The Walking Dead, the original series, ended, I wasn't too thrilled how it ended. I felt like they left us hanging, and ca- I always wanted Carol and Daryl to be together. Okay? Right. And um, I felt like they ended too soon with the storyline. And so I was just a tinge disappointed. But they made up with it with the two seasons they came, the two series they came out, the shoot-offs. They they made up for it. And so, and then I think next year we get the next one with um, Michonne and Rick, right? Right. Yes. Yes. So, uh, yeah, that's coming up next year. You're right. Are you looking forward to that? Is that something like... Are you still interested in what's become of those characters? Yes, because they became like family. You gotta realize that's like eleven seasons. Yeah. That and 
um, they do. They become like family. And so in my mind, everything, especially as a writer, all right, I have to lip, I have to know as a reader of a book what happens to the characters. I don't like books where uh, they leave you hanging. And in my uh, uh, sci-fi series that I wrote, I, everybody knows what happened. And I'm working on the fifth book to go a little further on that. But I didn't leave people hanging. And mm -hmm. so it's important to find out that I devoted so much time writing about these people. All right. Uh, taking every Sunday night, mm -hmm. uh, you know, nine o'clock. And sometimes when I was first started writing for you, I was still learning the computer and how to copy and everything. Yeah, so sometimes sure. I was up till like two o'clock in the morning. Oh my gosh. Oh no. Kinda, and poor Glenn had to wait for me to get done. To <laughs> well, I think, so was, you, I think we're, I, I, I'm much more easygoing now about, about things. Uh, you know, I always, our, our friend oh JP has noticed that I'm far more easygoing and, um, you know, you get it up when you get it up because it's way more interesting to read someone's uh, to read your thoughts rather than reading right. your thoughts on a on a deadline. Um, I'd rather, you right. know, I think, you know, everybody on the site, it's like we get our stuff in when we get it in, um, hopefully with with minimal amount of pressure at this point. But, you know, I yeah, I know I, I, I could have been I was maybe a. Glenn, our good friend Glenn Walker, certainly kept me in line when he was uh, when he was with us. God oh my God, him. he was so funny! Oh my God, because there were Saturdays or Sundays we would meet with the writers group, and I would walk in. He goes, "I'm going to kill you because that <laughs> <laughs> that particular week it was like made me a really bad." story like a sad story and you know you're trying to wrap your mind a bit around what happened to the characters and put it in your own words so yeah so am i going back to your question um very interested in what happens to these characters because they became real yeah you know and let me tell you the world we're living in we're not that far from The Walking Dead, let me tell you. So, <laughs> no, it's... Um, I'm taking notes on survival issues, but you know, <laughs> how to survive the apocalypse, you know. So, yes, so that, that's another reason too. It keeps you aware of how to survive. Yeah. With with the series, you know. So, so to kind of finish up our our looks, so. What is there anything off the top of your head that you're looking forward to reading or watching other than, I guess, the new Walking Dead show? Is there anything that you know that's coming in 2020? Geez, 2024. It's so weird to say it. Is there anything you're you're looking forward to? Well, I heard through Twitter, I mean, TikTok, TikTok, God bless TikTok, <laughs> yeah. that Orphan Black might be coming back. But not, it's not in the States yet. And people are like all over TikTok are trying to find out how we can watch the return. Like there's a new, they have all new shows coming. And I'm trying to find out about it because 
I recently, I think I wrote a, um, a review on a, on a movie, um, What Happened to Monday, which mm -hmm. is a, was about clones. And uh, Naomi Rap Rapace, I don't know if I'm killing her name over here, but um, she played all seven. Oh, is it Numi? Numi, uh, I think. Yeah, Numi. I know yeah. I, so that, who was in who was in the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. Yes, her. Yes, and she was also in one of the um, Alien movies. Um, yeah, she was in. Uh, I think she was in Alien Covenant. Or was she in yes. Prometheus? She was maybe she was oh, in wait, let me say Prometheus, maybe. Yeah. Mm, I gotta check. I have to check. Yeah. Um, because the grain the granny brain every once in a while locks up. <laughs> but, but um I in fact when I wrote that review, I put down how it reminded me so much of Orphan Black. And if, if there's anything I'm looking forward to is if that is true, that rumor that they already have a new series and that um, it's eventually going to hit the States. Um, uh, that's That would be my, my chocolate treat. You know, that's the only <laughs> thing I could say. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Well, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll find out. And... Well, here's another thing, Andy. If you yeah. ever get to talk to Michael Flanagan, the the man behind the haunting of Hell House and uh, Bly Manor, well, hey, and we, both of us, both of us really liked um, Fall of the House of Usher, right? Oh my God! I really want to ask him questions as a psychic medium because I really believe that his understanding of the other side—that he has some psychic abilities. He the films are just what, a little. What made you think that? Huh? Just those. What made you think that? Just the way he presented it. I said this man. The way he's presenting these, all of them, the the uh, haunting series and the fall mm -hmm. of the House of Usher, I felt that in his life he has dealt with the other side because he had too much of an understanding to write it to be perfect, and it just clicked with me and also with my friends who are also psychic that do. Um, house investigations through psychic mediums, and they said they felt the same way that this this Michael Flanagan had some type of a gift that he may not even recognize. Right. Yeah. That uh, mm. that followed the House of Usher. I think I I think you and I both watched it in the span of a couple of days because I think I yeah. started watching it, and then I think I texted you about it saying I think you got to yes. check this out. And yes. yeah, it was. Uh, Probably the best TV for me that I watched this year for sure. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and I might be rewatching it again. That's how good it was. Yeah. Mm. All right, Marie. This was great. Thank you. Thanks uh, for being a part of Bit Fan Pop. You're not allowed to go anywhere ever. I won't be leaving. You're stuck with me until I'm like 100. When I'm too old I'll... to use the computer, you might have to get rid of me then. <laughs> Well, you know what? I'll just we'll put you on. You'll like narrate, or you're you'll we'll do like voice transcriptions, and you'll just talk and not use the computer. We'll keep you going. We'll create an AI version of Marie Gilbert. <laughs> That'll be great. <laughs>
awesome. Well, it's okay. a pleasure, Andy. It is an honor to write for Biff Bam Pop. It is an honor. I truly believe it's uh, my an honor for me to be part of this great to work for you and be part of this amazing team that you built around you. Well, that's kind of you to say, and you know that we love you. So well, thank you for you. a great, thank you for great 2023. And uh, we'll have more in 2024. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. All right. I am here with Jeffrey X. Martin and Sachin Hingu, and we are going to talk about wrestling, the sweet science, the squared circle. Um, I know nothing about wrestling, so we were discussing strategy before hitting record. So what I'm going to do, I want a good, clean fight from both of you guys. Uh, you're going to money in the bank, steel cage match. I don't know. No foreign objects, no eye gouging, no illegal moves. Uh, I am going to get out of the way and I'm going to let you talk about the year that was 2023 in wrestling. No holds barred. So gentlemen, the floor is yours. Ding. Yeah. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> So unusual for us to be talking about wrestling together. Like we don't do it every day. Oh no, this is all the time. <laughs> all right. So how um, was it? How was twenty twenty three? Uh, twenty three for me. It it started like early, like it usually does with wrestling. Watching um, uh, Wrestle Kingdom in Japan. I think that was the fifth um january 5th january 4th sorry there's a crazy time difference there because from japan but uh um yeah it's uh this year for me it was was will osprey and kenny omega um two uh, we were we were just talking about two of the the best wrestlers in the world maybe the the two best like executing at the highest possible level like that that match uh on on the fourth at wrestle kingdom uh is is i think the greatest wrestling match i've ever seen in my life um uh i know you i know you watched it back later <laughs> the you know i don't i don't know that you have this stomach for that to that time difference that that i do watching it at like four in the morning where i am <laughs> but uh, uh i got kids yeah, yeah i got kids. <laughs> absolutely um for me <clears throat> Okay, there are matches, and I have one match mm -hmm. that I've really loved throughout the year, but there's also other things. Mm -hmm. There's news that really Absolutely. got me. Um, for me, the main thing is that Vince McMahon is no longer in charge of WWE. Crazy. And it makes me happy in a way that I want to <laughs> just sprout angel wings from my shoulders. Now, I stopped watching WWE a long time ago for political reasons, okay? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to watch a company run by a narcissistic rapist. So I'm glad he's gone. But mm -hmm. even though Vince has left the building, um, the company still has really strong ties with the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And they give a lot of money to a country that regularly violates human rights. I can't mm -hmm. really get behind that. Oh, yeah. remember when Saudi Arabia killed that journalist and they like chopped and, him up into yeah. pieces? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't um, buy it. I can't, I, can't, I can't. And then, and then, I believe it was uh, approximately a week after that happened uh, that um, Steph 
Stephanie and and Dusty reference dismemberment in a promo un- uh-huh. unrelated to that. Yeah, um, oh, completely yeah, unrelated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just it it kind of gives me bad vibes when I watch it. it it's it's um, the the oh, politics is absolutely part of it. Um, the the kind of creative direction. Um, it just it just feels like I every time I watch it. Um, or that I'm like tempted to watch it for whatever reason. Somebody's like coming in that maybe I want to see, or I want to see what they do, or something like that. I regret it 100% of the time. I'm because like, it, I wish I had done anything else. It makes you want to shower under scalding water with a hot wire brush. <laughs> right. <laughs> it just hurts me so much. Yeah. So okay, um, I can't remember any time in my life, or even my father's life when WWE was not under the thumb of a McMahon. Absolutely. Um, yeah. so is the company better now? I don't know. I've heard good things with Trips and Shawn Michaels in charge mm-hmm. of things, but I'm not going to give my attention or my money to a mm-hmm. company that supports a country like Saudi Arabia. Um, yeah. Remember a couple of years ago when the Saudis wouldn't let the WWE workers leave and like held them captive yeah. on an airplane? Yeah. 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 That's, a, that's a toxic working environment yeah. that I cannot get behind. It that. just seems like watching those shows, uh, the, the ones, the ones from Saudi Arabia, like they have like this dystopian vibe to them every every time like remember the early ones where like the the women instead of their their usual uh gear were like head to toe uh covered and everything meanwhile you know randy randy orton's out there in a pair of little trunks right like it's it's just very strange right to me um yeah i, I know meanwhile, it's a cultural cultural thing but it's it's very bizarre yeah meanwhile la nights out there like saudi arabia <laughs> airlines yeah <laughs> That's yeah. great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no. And no, I, it's not. I feel like there are echoes of of Vince still there. I mean, the, the couple of times they they brought him back uh this year, he still gets like standing ovations from the from the crowd and thank you Vince and everything and it's just like I don't feel good about watching it. It's it, for for, I don't for various reasons. But um you know, all of that being said, I did have I had a WWE match on here um, that I want um, that the uh, the Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens uh, tag title match at WrestleMania, um, which was um, for my I mean again I didn't watch a lot of WWE this year, but of what of uh, the stuff I watched, that was uh, the best match I saw. Um, it's a great story to kind of like local canadian guys not local i mean they're from quebec but uh uh you know getting into a wrestlemania main event and and winning the tag titles and a a match that was uh really really good like one of the better um wwe matches certainly tag matches that i've seen in a long time so you know it was more (laughs) elder right yeah i think so yeah um and i think this year um, Sami Zayn, as far as like WWE stars go, really, um, I think really saved them creatively. Uh, the the only thing I hear about people talking about that was good 
this year is like the bloodline storyline with Romy, Roman Reigns and his family and all that. Um, and it's because of Sami Zayn, like that that he he brings this this like different different energy to the whole thing. It doesn't feel like the WWE scripted whatever, right? That that's uh, yeah, because he's wacky. He is. He's wacky, and he feels like a real person. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it, absolutely, he does. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I, I I that more than anything kind of speaks to me. Um, and speaking of real people, Eddie Kingston um this year uh uh really really kind of um stepped up in in aw and in new japan um and uh uh he he was in the g1 and this guy is like i don't feel that there is like a scripted or an insincere bone in this guy's body like yeah he's a wrestler he's paid to lie to me but it's uh uh it feels it feels real uh and and it's just a great a great story he's he's uh right into right up until last night um he is he's doing some of the best work in his career um all right well you're talking about eddie i need to talk about another human being that i don't want to because i'm sick to death of talking about cm punk oh i i i i maybe maybe was wishful thinking that we could uh but we can't we can't we can't let me continue there yeah <laughs> i mean he's home now okay so whatever uh. but look tony khan brought punk into AEW because he's a fucking mark sorry eric i'm, not, I'm gonna i'm gonna make bad words that's this fine is I, what I do i do bad words uh you can bleep them out in post if you want to but punk proceeded work. to <laughs> Especially where I'm concerned. Uh, Punk proceeded to fuck everything up in the AEW locker room. Okay. He fought with the elite, literally. And then mm. when he finally came back to his own friggin' show, Collision. They gave him his own show. They gave him his own fucking show. And then he got mad at Jungle Boy. Really? I mean, over the, over the most. And, and these two things that he that he kind of melted down about the, the promo. From from Hangman that you know about workers' rights, cult, you know implying Colt Cabana but never even saying it, um, and then this thing about the the real glass. These two th- with with Jungle Boy doing a stunt through actual glass and Punk didn't like it or whatever. Um, it's it they are the they are the most petty, ridiculous things that you could fight about, and and that that is what blew up his uh, the for my money the deal of a lifetime. They, he was there wrestling the best wrestling legends, the best, the best of the best, Kojima, and 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 um, he was in there with Sting. He was, you know, all these people. Um, uh, he was given his own show. He was given his own, practically his own roster. Um, uh, to, to you know, and and he was he was getting to wrestle in in giant sta- a, a giant stadium in in Wembley. Um, and and it, it wasn't enough. And for those two, the stupidest little things, and and it's just disappointing. I'm, I'm not how, mad. I'm disappointed. <laughs> how do you get mad at Jack Perry? Right. It's like getting it's yeah. like getting mad at a teddy bear. Okay. So he slunk back to WWE, the place that made him sick. 
<laughs> and he's home now. That's fine. He's out there to make friends. He's there yeah. to make money. Good. I hope he does. Pay off your fucking real estate investments mm -hmm. that you fucked up. I can't give this emotional suck hole of a human being any more of my attention. I just can't. It's, so. it's, and I mean, there's comparisons to be made of like Bret Hart, you know, everybody goes back, Warrior goes back, went back, you know, all these people went back eventually, right? But, you know, it's, you know, Brock went back, they'd, they'd sued him, you know, in the past. Um, it's different with Punk because like Punk made his whole identity after leaving WWE, hating the WWE. That was his whole personality. That was right? his shtick. <laughs> it's his gimmick. It's his gimmick, right? So for him to go back there and and I don't I don't know what he's doing or what what the plans are for him, but to play like an anti-authoritarian guy or anything, it's like you know, I, uh, it's like I brought up in the chat. It's like if if Zach De La Rocha uh, went and like started ringing the bell to open uh, open the New York Stock Exchange, <laughs> Stock <market>. it's like. <laughs> Fuck you! I'll consider doing what you tell me. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it's uh, I can't take you seriously anymore. You son yeah. of a bitch. Ah! <laughs> All um, right. What um, else do you have before I go on um, to my other? I'm so, just <laughs> I mean, I mean, I just have like a list of people here that I think you know in my mind like just really stepped up this year. Um, Hangman, Hangman, the Texas, the Texas Death Matches, Swerve on the other side of those. Uh, Swerve, Swerve Strickland, who I think is poised to like he's he's got to be uh, a champion next year. Um, Willow, Willow Nightingale, uh, who. Um, beat uh, Mercedes for the the New Japan Strong Women's Title. Um, did uh, really stepped up in matches this year. Like that, she's somebody who I saw in like dark preliminary matches last just last year, and just now has the has the crowd in like the palm of her hand. Um, Athena, uh, who is uh, she's the ace of ROH. She's she's the top champion in ROH. Uh, there's uh, um, she's in the main event and 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 uh, pulling out incredible matches. Um, uh, Eddie of uh, Eddie Kingston have talked about um, Tony Storm, gimmick of the year, right? Uh, doing this uh, yes. old Hollywood, um, uh, uh, old school uh, all about Eve. Yeah, it's uh, incredible. <laughs> gimmick that like people that i know that that don't follow wrestling at all like will message that i know and will just message me and be like what is this in the same way that people did with like dan Housen and orange cassidy and stuff like they're just like they'll see a clip online and be like what is this this person is a wrestler and it's like uh it very much is yeah it's uh uh really outstanding stuff and uh Right. I mean, I could go on. There's so many. There's so many. But well, yeah, I'll... Jeff, I'm going to give you five minutes to go off. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, I dude. have like two. I have three more points to make. Okay. Christian Cage is doing yeah. the best work mm -hmm. of his career right now in AEW. Uh, the patriarchy is, it, it has some problems, <laughs> but latching on to the DCC, you know, the Dead Dad Club, mm -hmm. was a stroke of cringy genius. So. Look, I don't like Shayna Wayne getting in that shit any more than you do, but 
the few that Christian Cage and Adam Copeland who've tagged together for years in the mm-hmm. other place, it really has me engaged. It's like, you know, like a kill switch yeah. engaged. But <laughs> I don't know how it's going to end. And I'm absolutely enthralled. I love it. Okay. Favorite match of the year? Texas death match between Hangman and Swerve. Mm-hmm. Um, it was over the top, especially when Hanger poured Swerve's blood into <laughs> his mouth and his then spit mouth. it out. Right. And then spit it out like it's some kind of demonic Triple H. It was great. Love it. Um, I've always thought of AEW as the reincarnation of WCW. So that match cemented mm. my belief. That match yes. was violent. It was vicious. And it lives in my head rent free. God damn, we got that on TV. I'm yeah. paid for that. Yeah. I paid a lot of money for that. <laughs> we got it right there on the goddamn commercial TV. It was amazing. And it just proves to me how far AEW is willing to go to give fans great matches so a number one thing of the year is mjf mm. because mjf has somehow become yeah. aew's top baby face and how who would have <laughs> seen it coming right we have seen that man lie cheat and steal for practically his entire aew career and now excuse me i'm so sorry fix that in post eric he is the face of the company. It's been an incredible turn. He's become brochachos with Adam Cole. We've watched him overcome his fears and his insecurities, and we've seen him take tenuous sides with Samoan Joseph. He's got gold. He's got heart, and he's got some of the most heartfelt and engaging promos mm-hmm. this business has ever seen, and he's only 27 years old. <laughs> I'm not saying he's a future of the business, but MJF is the future of the business. Agreed uh, on all points there. <laughs> well, brilliant stuff, guys. Um, I understood some of it. I knew some of the names. Uh, and that was fantastic. And we will be right back. I am here with Wade Stoke, and we're going to talk about some video game type stuff. Uh, Wade, how was 2023 for gaming? Well, I think this year was an unbelievably strong year. Uh, it, it actually harkened back to years that I think are like the greatest ever in terms of video games, like 2007 or 2009, 2013. Like there were a few years that really, really stood out. Um, and this has become one of those years for me personally. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's quality nonstop. I've been playing so much, and some of the games I played earlier this year, I'm already coming back to to replay. It's just been stellar, top to bottom. I think just an embarrassment of riches. What are some of the uh, the standouts this year? Well, um, you know, there are lots of things that I played for the website that I was like really excited for, and I wrote reviews about games like. Uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, of course. That's one of my top three. I don't even know if it's my number one anymore because there's a couple other games I'm really thinking about. Um, And that says a lot because at the end of that review, I said it was my favorite game of the year and maybe ever. Mm -hmm. And that's how good this year is, is that a game I felt so strongly about, I'm now not even sure if it, it is that anymore because of two other games I played this year. Okay, so yeah. uh, so we got Zelda. So leading up to what are the other what are the next two? 
Well, um, I've spent a ridiculously long time on Baldur's Gate 3, mm-hmm. and that is a game that I didn't really see myself getting into, mainly because it's done by the same, it's done by Larian Studios, who uh, have done the other Baldur's Gate uh, games, as well as Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2. And those two games, they're like very, very... Uh, y- dedicated you have to have like all your time and all your energy into this game because the story is i mean i'm still not done my first playthrough and i've almost got 100 hours into it uh the writing is so unbelievably good the characters are so memorable and every single character be it a main character side character character who has two lines it's 100 voiced there are over two million words in the script i think oh, yeah wow. it's like one of the biggest ever for video games so um and Baldur's Gate 3 just the story all the main characters you have join your party are iconic and amazing in every way and like some of my favorite vocal performances for like any character in any game are in this one um you have a crazy amount of side content I think that's why I'm not even close to done like the first act of the game, which there are three, first act took me 52 hours to finish. And then uh, my brother was like, that's not even the longest act. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that, game's, that game is one of the ones tied for number one for me. Um, and the other one is uh, a game that like I had been waiting personally 13 years for because it is Alan Wake 2. Okay. Alan Wake is a 2010 game made by Remedy, and Remedy is like they made Max Payne, they made uh, Max Payne one and two. They did Control, they did Alan Wake, they did Quantum Break. Like they've done a bunch of games that are all really weird and obtuse in a lot of ways. Kind of Twin Peaksy, right? Very Twin Peaks. Alan Wake is about a writer who. Uh, is so dedicated to his craft that he like it's all he does in his spare time and the first game him and his wife move out to this place called bright falls so he can sort of like relax but he just has this drive to write and he winds up getting this unbelievably like powerful writer's block and because he still has the subconscious drive to write even though he can't he winds up somehow writing a alternate version of himself into the world and then that version starts writing a bunch of things that wind up coming true and becoming reality and uh he has to stop this inner version of himself and it's like it doesn't make any sense when i explain it out loud (laughs) (laughs) and alan wake 2 makes it even like more complex because it takes all the other games that were uh made by a remedy and it makes them all canon in the same universe so it had always been like rumored or like talked about that oh they all definitely take place in the same timeline same universe but now it is 100 confirmed there's so many shout outs to other games like control there's even max Payne shout outs like the creator and director of the game his name's sam lake he was the original face of max Payne, and now he plays a character in this game with his face model and everything but he also plays himself in the game in some weird fourth wall breaking bit where it's just him and he's like my name is sam lake i'm playing alex casey who's the main character of the books that alan wake wrote who's also max Payne. it's just levels on levels on levels 
it doesn't make sense. The layers are all over the place. The way the story is told, they have a lot of live action uh, as well. And personally, I think live action in video games, it's like, it's just so hard to do, right? Like, yeah, you're either going to wind up uh, doing it right or you're like Night Trap or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, uh, that one game, Plumbers Wear Ties, all plumbers wear ties or whatever. Like <laughs> right. these weird sex games that are so gross and did not age well. However, Alan Wake 2 is like the only game I've ever seen where the live action is like arguably the, the coolest thing about it. Just the way it's it's made... It blends itself in so seamlessly, but it also kind of looks like a B movie at times. Mm-hmm. All the sets are like practical; they make the sets all themselves, and all the actors are like actually they give a shit. They're like really, really acting the hell out of these parts. Um, uh, David Harewood is—he's uh, a great actor who's done. Uh, oh my god, is he in True Detective? His his. I can't even name all the shows he's done in the movies yeah. he's done, but he plays a character in this game and he is like, it's like one of my favorite performances of his. And he went on Instagram and was talking about saying how it was like maybe the favorite gig he's like ever done. Oh, wow. And it checks out because he is, it looks like he's having a blast doing this thing, but it's, I'm talking about it in such a high excited energy it's just because the way i feel about it because i waited so long for this game to come out mm-hmm. and then it was like better than i could have ever expected it to be it's also like the scariest game i've ever played <laughs> and i don't do well with horror I'm, I'm very bad at horror games and uh you know andy had me play a game earlier this year called dementia the bunk or amnesia sorry the bunker mm. and uh that game scared the shit out of me and <laughs> Uh, now I played Alan Wake and I was like actually genuinely terrified in the first like four minutes of the game. And I kind of had a moment where I was like, am I going to keep playing this game? I was like, I waited so long. I have to. And I'm so glad I did, even though it, oh my God, it's horrifying, (laughs) but it's so good and so much fun. Now, did you play that for uh, PS5 or... I did. I did okay. play for PS5. Yeah, I've I've got a PS5. I have an Xbox. I have a Switch. Um, okay, so you've got your multidisciplinary. Uh... Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, it is available on both the PS5 and the Xbox as well as uh, PC. It's not on the Switch. It would. Uh, there's no. World. It would melt the Switch. I'm there's sure. There's no world where this game is playable on the Switch. <laughs> now, do you now since you have all three, do you find yourself like? Because I've got a Switch, a Switch Lite, and a PS5. Do you find yourself kind of trending? any which way with uh, regards to the current gen? Yeah. Uh, you know, I grew up and I had an Xbox 360 and that was like my favorite thing. And I was always team Xbox. And then the Xbox one came out, which I did not have any interest at all. I just didn't like the way it looked or the way the controller felt. And I got a PS4 and then now I have one of everything because I feel like Xbox sort of figured out their whole thing. And I love my Xbox Series S. I got it for $200 on Amazon. It was oh, wow. used. It was great. It's it's fantastic. Um, my Switch, I've had since launch day. It's the same model. It's It sounds like a jet plane trying to take <laughs> off now. But I still play it quite often. However, my PS5 is like my, my darling. Okay. I just it's I also managed to get one day one on Amazon and uh you know Justin Trudeau bought it with my Serbs. <laughs> so <laughs> I I I am obsessed with my PlayStation 5. It's what I played the most by far. 
I finally got a PS5 about a year ago. I was a little little late on the update on the uptick for that, but yeah. uh, this last year I've really kind of come into my own with playing titles on there. Finally, I'm just incredibly behind the curve right now. I just uh, just rolled credits on Jedi Survivor. Hell yeah! Um, was playing. I haven't. I'm playing Oxenfree Two right now. I haven't finished that. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot I've, of fun. I've played Oxen Free One. Mm -hmm. I had I was available on the Switch eShop for like twelve cents or something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, that's that how I got it. Crazy sales. So I've I've played the first one. I have not played the sequel, but I I really liked Oxen Free. It's pretty good. Um, I was playing it back in October, and for some reason, it just wasn't grabbing me. So I'm kind of circling back to it right now. Yeah. Um, I need to pick up. Uh, Spider-Man 2. I'm waiting for the price to drop on that. And yeah. then I know you said you weren't more, much of a horror uh, guy, but I am looking forward to playing the Resident Evil 4 remake. Oh, I mean, I listen, when it comes to horror, I don't play or I don't watch horror movies, mm -hmm. but I really like horror video games. I feel like the way because you're so immersed, I feel like the way horror sort of works, it works differently on a video game. Like uh, Resident Evil 4 is among my all-time favorite games definitely top 10 i i have played it every year for the last however many years ago it came out and it's a game i always return to so when resident evil 4 remake came out i was like okay this is like i hope they don't ruin it because mm -hmm. resident evil 3 remake was not very good yeah it was kind of evil it was it was so short yeah and resident evil 2 remake i really enjoyed so Resident Evil 4, there was so much like on it for me to be like, oh, I, I just need this to be good. And it's the greatest remake probably ever. Okay. <laughs> I would say. I mean, I've already beaten it three times now. Really? And I see myself going back to it for years. And like, I don't know how I'm going to go back to my GameCube version. <laughs> I definitely will just to see, you know, because there's there are differences. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I love RE4. RE4 is like top top 10 maybe top five for me ever okay now this was a, a puzzling edition for playstation this year the playstation portal oh yeah. yeah what are your what are your thoughts on that um i mean i don't have one and i i had watched a lot of the uh sort of advertisements leading up to it and mm -hmm. talking about like all i read all the articles people were saying like oh it's uh you know you you sort of have to be in the same house or same room as the playstation but that sort of didn't really make a lot of sense to me i figured you know maybe the the reason or like the audience they were selling for is maybe like a parent who has kids and their kids want to watch tv while they can still play their playstation on their couch right like, to me that made sense but they really seem to be talking about how it was the next like portable playstation experience like akin to the psp even though it's not that at all because it's all done through cloud gaming and you have to be in the same Yeah, it's just area. a second screen. Yeah, and and the the speakers, so there are speakers on it, but if you want to listen to it on headphones, I can't use these. I can't use Bluetooth headphones. You have to use the specific PlayStation Sony headphones that are like three hundred dollars no thanks so it it's it's nonsensical you're buying this like the new handheld system but you also have to spend probably the same amount of money on a headset in order to listen to it privately so like even if you could play it on the bus or at a starbucks you would have to play it on max volume or no volume <laughs> it doesn't make sense 
pretty bizarre design choice from Sony. And I, uh, yeah, it just, just it, I mean, from what I hear, the fidelity, like the actual way it looks and feels is very high end, Mm -hmm. but there are so many just questionable design choices. It's like, is this really worth the, like, I can't even remember. It's a ludicrous amount for what it is, but it's like 200 bucks, I think Uh, us. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're paying a ridiculous amount over here and it's, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm kind of hoping that uh, Sony will do what Sony does with everything and they won't support it at all. And then the price will drop. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it might be worth it at like, I don't know what, what, what's a reasonable price for that thing. I would, it's just like an extra screen. I would say yeah. like 60, $70 makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Even though if I said that to Sony, they would probably like spit in my face. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> like based on what they're selling, it, it doesn't really seem to be worth what they're asking. Yeah. I got, I was an early adopter on the PS TV. If you remember that. Oh man. <laughs> I do remember that. I, I never uh, partook, but I, I am familiar I bought it, and uh, then within a year, I think they were they couldn't give those things away. Yeah, I was going to say not a success story, if I recall. No, Uh, that is. I feel like Sony has made so many strange, questionable hardware decisions. Like when it comes to software, the video games themselves. I mean, it's a joke that there are very very few playstation games people always say the playstation has no games because if you really look at the playstation 5 exclusives Mm -hmm. i think there's only like six or seven games you can only play on playstation 5 when if you compare to the xbox which has a ton and then you compare to pc which obviously has way more and nintendo which has way more it, it sort of makes the the playstation 5 seem like you know if you're getting it you're not getting it for the exclusives because that's like, there's not a lot. <laughs> so right. I don't know. I, I had bought here, I'll just to tarry off a little bit. I bought an Xbox specifically for Starfield. Okay. And, uh, how, how surprised was I to find out that I didn't really like Starfield all that much. And now I just have an Xbox. So, <laughs> I mean, I'll probably finish Starfield at some point. It just runs on it's 30 FPS on console, and that just doesn't make sense to me. It's it's and it's so it's 30 baffling. it's 30 FPS locked, isn't it? Oh yeah, there's no way to bring it up. There's no performance mode. There's there's nothing, and and you are stuck on 30. And you know, I've been playing basically every game I've been playing except for Zelda, which of course you know massive game on the Switch. So I get it that it mm-hmm. doesn't have the power to make it that. Uh, high fidelity but every game i've played recently is like 60 to 120 frames and then you go back to 30 and it's like oh my god like i'm getting motion sickness playing this game so it's tough for me to enjoy that especially because it is a ridiculously long rpg where i'm like i have a migraine like i'm not (laughs) this is not fun for me in a lot of ways (laughs) yeah well excellent So what are you looking forward to coming up for 2024? Are there any big releases on the horizon? I mean, 2024, there's a lot of things that, well, we're doing this the night before the Game Awards, which is, so that's, you know, I don't really know. There's, I'm sure tomorrow they will uh, announce a ton of games that, I was going to say, it's more planning on our parts. Yeah, that's all good. (laughs) They're probably going to be releasing or announcing games that are, you know, 
confirmed already, but they're going to announce that they're coming out next year, um, which, you know, I'm excited for. I, I'm kind of hoping that we see Kingdom Hearts 4 next year, um, even though Kingdom Hearts 3 kind of, it didn't really do it for me as much. I love the first two, but uh, 3 I only like, I guess you could say. Right. Um, so I'm hoping for that. Uh, there's also rumors that Guitar Hero might be coming back. I heard that, yeah. And that's, I, as someone who played on a somewhat professional level for like a month, that would be something I would like to see. And um, I don't play guitar, but I'm very good at Guitar Hero. <laughs> um, I would love to see another Guitar Hero. That's probably a, one of the biggest hopes I have. It's not on my bingo card because I don't think it'll happen, but like, I really hope. Um Probably the one thing I'm most excited about, realistically, is the Elden Ring DLC. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I just know, like, from software, when they did the DLC for Bloodborne and for Dark Souls 3, those are, like, two of my favorite added campaigns to, like, anything. So I'm very excited to see what happens with Elden Ring, and I've been dying to go back to that game. Uh, have you played Elden Ring? Have not. I don't have the uh, constitution for uh, <laughs> Soulsborne games gotcha that's that's like i don't know i just i i personally love just failing and failing and failing until i get something right and it's just like i don't know it's it's like a sadist or masochistic which is the one <laughs> one little, of those little, one of each yeah <laughs> a little bit of both i just love getting to the point where i'm like screaming and swearing at my tv and See, i need i need to relax because jedi survivor <laughs> was like that but it's yeah it's for the casual gamer which i guess i am and like my hand was cramping just from how hard <laughs> i was gripping the controller and i i, I was playing it on story mode too yeah so um, <laughs> it wasn't even really all i mean you know what gaming and, and difficulty is completely subjective yeah right yeah. i mean it's it's just like i play i played a shit ton of guitar hero and got really really good at it and i know people who it was very funny i was at a little bar recently and uh they had guitar hero set up on the tv <laughs> and i was watching the two people play on medium and i was like so angry that i wasn't sitting on the couch playing <laughs> myself just ready so, to step in and shred <laughs> exactly so if if there were like things i'm hoping for that we see at least tomorrow or that i would like really want to see next year it's the elden ring dlc which i think is a guarantee mm-hmm. it would be a new guitar hero because that would change my life in <laughs> all the greatest ways and it would be uh kingdom hearts 4 those okay. are like the three things i'm like really really hoping to see uh, oh and and i guess the alan wake 2 dlc there's there's two expansions confirmed oh great and uh i think this is a spoiler because i'm going to write a, a list but it's it's in my top five of the year and it's probably top three also um so i just want to have more to play and, yeah uh, can't, yeah can't blame you for that yeah that's i think that's my like that's my hype list for 2024 even though a few of them are pipe dreams but uh yeah fingers crossed well wade thanks a lot for checking in this was great um and definitely looking forward to seeing more of your video game articles in 2024 thank you so much i appreciate it uh it was great talking thank you And we are back with Sachin Hingu and Jeffrey X. Martin. We are going to talk about spooky movies uh, for the year 2023. Uh, Unlike the wrestling segment, which uh, I don't know when I'm going to edit these together, uh, I have 
a little bit more understanding of the genre. Uh, I actually did see a movie that I think came out this year. I saw Barbarian. Nice. Which was really cool. Uh, happened. It was set in the area that I live in and uh, really enjoyed the heck out of that. The other, the only other piece of news that was on my radar was uh, the sequel to It Follows. They follow, which is going to be coming at some point. So really excited by that. So, Again, the floor is yours, gentlemen. How was uh, 2023 for genre movies, for horror movies? X, why don't you kick us off? <laughs> I'm not going to trample trample over. <laughs> Again. Yeah, go for it. What did you see this year that you're into? My fifth favorite horror movie of this year was Saw right. X. Because this was... Number five? <laughs> Look, let me explain. <laughs> okay, I'll explain sorry. later. I'll explain. <laughs> but Saw X was the kick in the ass that this franchise needed. It was emotional. It was almost to the point of tear jerking for me. The traps were awful, as they should be. I mean, the damn saw through the leg. Holy crap. But <laughs> man, Tobin Bell put on an acting masterclass in Saw X. And I can't Absolutely. wait to see what else the producers do to extend this franchise. I had and, a lot of fun with it. And it's the first movie that we saw in the theater in like what fucking three years? Mm, wow. And what yeah. What, so yeah. It's one of and the it, best of the series. And I just want to add an an acting masterclass in a movie that that features an intestine rope intestine being used as a rope it's <laughs> it's not what you would expect it's not what you expect it's it's high and low culture coming together and it is it is uh, uh it is it's more beautiful than it has any right to be it it is uh um, oh it's gorgeous uh, it is it's stunning and and it, and i just uh I mean, I'm in awe that that it's it's an entry into this this franchise. Which, I mean, I've seen them all. I I they kind of love them all in their own way. Um, some some they are all have their better. no lure yeah, exactly. Um, but this is like a different level. I think it's uh, even even more than the first one to me. Like it it really kind of it, it's operating on like a different level, and and, and uh, I think it's like really remarkable. Um, so, yeah, it's absolutely on my list, too. Saw X goes for the heart. Yeah. Unlike the other yeah. ones, which really go for, I don't know, uh, your balls. Gag reflex. Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. Your That's intestines. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every other organ. It's, it's so much better than the rest of them. So, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's in the top. Yeah. Within the series, it's within the top three for me because it's yeah, top two for me honestly like it's oh uh, no shit yeah okay. yeah i go okay. two and then this one um or two and this one are almost like neck and neck for me oh and then God, uh, it's one two yeah. and x yeah yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um all right, right. go ahead yeah. session all right so um my top one this year um was one i don't know if you've seen it yet um is late night with the devil um it's it's the Damn it, uh, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> it's shit. uh it's not it's not widely out uh yet, but I did I was able to catch it in an actual theater at a festival and it is incredible. It is the I, I haven't seen um that new shitty exorcist uh that came out, but I I the whole time I was thinking 
this is the this is the sequel that the exorcist deserved not that shitty movie it's uh it was uh um it's it's so well done it takes you on such a ride it gives it has the strongest sense of place of of any movie that i i think i saw this year or or otherwise like you really feel that you're you're sitting there watching the 70s talk show on on a tube tv that is going wrong in every possible way and it is it is uh just absolutely terrifying and and uh david david desmalkian um i think I, I put it in my review on the site is like i don't know how or when uh but but he somehow became one of my favorite actors this year um he's he's popped up in these tiny little roles elsewhere um but this is the first one that he gets to lead i think and and he just knocks it out of the park it's it's uh, really a remarkable piece of work that's amazing i can't wait to see it i really yeah. can't yeah uh what do you got in your number uh, in my number five? four no i i like i said i have five my number four of the year is when evil lurks mm-hmm. uh, this movie ticks the top numbers of my disturbometer because mm-hmm. uh, there are scenes that i was not ready for and i don't know how you could be ready for the shit that happens yeah. in this movie it's a great possession flick um it goes a little wonky in the third act and that's mm-hmm. why i've kind of rated it down okay um yeah i'm not I trying to spoil that. things well you know what i'm talking about i'm not trying to spoil things but it gets a little i don't know dumb <laughs> sure um, yeah 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 it's 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 very much there to shock you, right? And to yeah, and to, but um, uh, but it's it, yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to maintain like the momentum that it because it it wastes sure. no time in dropping you into this world, um, doing like some some world building, and and it's nowhere that you want to be, but it is no. uh, um, uh, it is uh, it, it I found it profoundly affecting but yes i agree with you that it is you know a little dumb at the end it it it, it falls a little bit off the cliff but the stuff that came before that third act is mm. great and yeah. the final shot is intense and terrible yeah. and yeah. will probably haunt my dreams forever it's a yeah. good movie and i'm sure yeah. a lot of people will place it a lot higher Mm-hmm. Uh, on their list than I did, but I don't care. It's number four. Look, it made it. Okay, it's, it's so. you know what? Anything that <laughs> anything that sits in your top five, I think is gonna be is gonna be uh, something something decent, right? So, which yeah, it's which a... brings me to my number three, which is Dark Harvest. Oh wow. Okay, I did. I actually did not catch that one this year. So oh dude, yeah. What? <laughs> You yeah. need to. Yeah. This movie was an unexpected delight. Um, mm. It's set in the early 60s, and much like when when Evil Lurks, it has that world building that takes place outside mm-hmm. of the actual film. So it just drops you in the middle of it, and you need to keep up. So the boys in town in Dark Harvest go searching this supernatural murderer named mm. Sawtooth Jack. And then we get interracial romance in the 60s and mob violence. And it is a hell of a thing. And it is better than Grease 2, but it is still a Grease movie. <laughs> Dark Harvest. Dark Harvest is a uh, Grease remake. I will love I it. Will, 
I will huh. s- I will die on oh, that I'm hill. Sold. I'm sold. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> um so I guess uh so I have these in no particular order, but uh the next one I, I was I was gonna talk about is is Infinity Pool, Brandon Cronenberg's uh, uh Infinity Pool. It. It's uh it was an early one this year. It came out in, in January and I went to see it opening weekend because I was already getting spoilers for it and I, I was like I need to go into this as cold as I can. And it is it's so disorienting and so extreme um that uh uh it's and, and it's just so well acted like via goth alexander skarsgård um just incredible um uh and and uh i can say i i've seen more of alexander's uh alexander skarsgård's uh fluids this year than i i wanted to see of every kind uh but uh um certainly certainly in there um He's yeah, a sausage party. Cool. Yeah, yeah, very much. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so it's so it's about this guy who goes he he goes to this resort and uh, uh, he he kind of ends up trapped there. I'm I'm reluctant to say anything more about it, not only because I don't want to spoil it, but because uh, I don't I'm still not sure that I understand <laughs> what what was going on there. But it's uh, things things don't go well uh, for him. So. Um, uh, yeah, but I, I really, I really, uh, um, it, it was absolutely one of my favorites. And I think what I put in the, the chat right after I saw it with you guys, I was like, Brandon Cronenberg's coming for his father's throat. Like it's, uh, he is, he is going hard in, in, on, on, in his, uh, the stuff that he's put out so far. So yeah, incredible stuff. What do you got? My second uh, favorite movie of the year is uh, one that probably won't make any lists, but I loved it so mm-hmm. much. Bad Things. Mm. Okay. <laughs> this movie went totally under the radar, but oh my <laughs> gods, did I love it. I love haunted building movies. Yeah. I, I mean, look at The Shining, and look at the terrible apartment buildings in Rosemary's right. Baby or The Lords <laughs> of Salem. Mm-hmm. This movie takes it to a hotel, a resort, and it just blows every expectation out of the mm. water. Oh my god. Not only do you have a mental breakdown, from the main character but you've got a highly diversified cast and for mm-hmm. reasons i still can't figure out you get molly ringwald <laughs> and i'm not mad about that in the Why least not? it's a great movie it's wonderfully directed and it's got a story that absolutely blew my little tiny mind um yeah it's up there with those classic kind of this building's fucked up movies it's got replay value it's got incredible performances and just enough madness to make me happy oh my god bad things is so good and no one even cares i do i thought it was amazing i loved it well i'm uh i'm absolutely adding it to my my it's a shutter joint right uh, uh, I will. Uh, I'll, that's going in the queue uh, oh, right after we up. right after we talk <laughs> here. So good. Uh, um. So I guess uh, um, next I want to talk about two movies that that were kind of um, they're kind of neck and neck for me, which was uh, uh, It Lives Inside um, 
this this little indie horror about um, this Indian girl who's like trying to um, make friends in 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 uh, her high school. Um, but uh, her cousin walks around with a bottle full of ghost uh, everywhere uh, <laughs> everywhere she goes um, that is uh, that has been trapped there uh, 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 for for a long time and it is it is violent and is terrifying um, really really um, one one of my one of my favorites this year um, and then and then kind of on the other side of it like another kind of like high school um horror kind of thing was talk to me uh which is huge huge movie for this year um uh it it uh it's about a, a spooky hand that lets you commune with the dead um maybe maybe and more <laughs> uh and it it uh it features some of the like some of the most terrifying imagery i've seen uh this year so it's it absolutely um ended up on my list uh, a great theater movie too like i was in a i had a, um, a really good audience for it that was reacting to everything it was it was just uh um really good times uh 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 at, at the theater for uh for for both of those two movies so yeah no movie <laughs> fucked me up more <laughs> Yeah. In 2023, <laughs> then talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. It is so firmly grounded in reality. And it's, yeah. It's not. And when it rolls mm-hmm. over into the overwhelming paranormal, there are so many shocking moments <laughs> in that movie that you can't help but yeah. be drawn in. It's frightening. It's compelling. And it's. It's the best thing I've yeah. seen this year. It's the best horror movie I've watched in 2023. And yeah. if, you're a, if you're a scary movie fan, you've got to watch Talk to Me. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. If I had, if, I've had bad dreams about yeah. that movie for About real. the other, where they, where they depict, you know, sort of the other side with these kind of souls in like a purgatory situation. Uh, it is, it's just chilling and the absolute button that, that gets me every time in a horror movie. Yeah. Same here. Um, the hands here. coming up and, and grabbing at, uh, grabbing at them, pulling them back, back into the darkness. It's, it is just, uh, uh, and a remarkable achievement. I mean, if I, if I had a criticism of it is that there wasn't enough of it, like it ended just, uh, just as I think, uh, uh, I was, I was, uh, ready, ready for more. Uh, but they've greenlit a sequel, so so criticism withdrawn. I disagree. I think the ending was, and I love you and I respect you, but mm. that ending where it ended right where it did. Um, fair enough. Fucking yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Because yeah. I wanted more and I needed yeah. more, and I knew yeah. I wasn't going to get it. That too. So, yeah, absolutely. That's that's uh, the, that's the horror of it. Yeah, that that sort of cliffhanger ending to go into the next one, which I hope we get soon. Oh my god! Yeah, that movie was horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <coughs> it is uh, remarkable. Um, so yeah, that's that's um, my favorite movie of the year so far. You, you know, I mean, I think both of us saw it last year, um, but I'd remiss if I didn't talk about Skinamarink. Um. I don't know. If I and I and I still. I mean, we we <laughs> talked about it on the site. I've written like a long form piece about it for the the cultural gutter. Um, uh, I I still don't know if I like it or not, man. I I don't get it. 
it's a i've seen it a bunch of times and and i i just don't know where i'm at with skinamarink it's confounding <laughs> i think you're uh mute muted again <laughs> i have three grandkids and our youngest one riley gale she's one year old and we bought her a chatter phone this year. And, oh no. <laughs> and we have we have a tradition where it's just like, I'm gonna write the name tags for this. And it's like, here you go, Riley Gale. And this is from Skinamarink. <laughs> and she can't read. It's fine. Yeah, Nobody it's fine. understands but me. You'll find it. Nobody You'll knows what me. In 20 years and, and be like, oh, right. And, this. and they'll be like, you son of a bitch. Why did you do this to me? Make you, yeah. Make oh. You yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But Skidamarink is so, it, it so exists. <laughs> it's extant. I don't know if I movie like movie it or if year. I hate it. It's so, <laughs> yes, um. it is. It's just like, but it's got the most terrifying line I've ever heard in my life in a horror movie. Mm, so I mean, stick a knife in your eye. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, what? Yeah. Oh, that's fucking terrible. And is it, the rest is of it, it terrifying is just like, oh, because Legos. Is it terrifying because of it's objectively terrifying, or because there's that's the only thing in the movie? It's like the whole eighty percent of the rest of the movie is you staring at a blank wall uh, while you know a window disappears. Is it, but then you get to, <laughs> but then you get to. The, but then you get to the end, and it's like, oh my god, I can't even take a shit here because I don't know where the toilet went. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. But, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's just like you see that face at the end in the mm. in the static in the white noise. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, what is happening right now? Oh my god. So yeah, that is was... it? Is it a better movie in hindsight than than when you watch it? No matter no matter how many times or when you watch it, is I've I've watched it at least eight times. <laughs> Me too. I have. Yeah, yeah, but it's better when you dream about it, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's like when you watch it just straight through. It's just like, uh, okay. Is there any other movie that's like that? Can Can you think of any? I, I mean, I, uh, maybe there's a Gaspar Noé in there that's like Into the Void or something. But maybe it's like, Climax. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, but but I, I can't think of anything else like it. Like, And it's that's what makes it worth mention. I don't even know if it's good. I can't, And I can't recommend it to anybody. It's, oh, fuck uh, no. Fuck no. Fuck right? no. We can do... Hey, Mom, watch this. <laughs> watch this. It's a great movie. Great acting. Right? <laughs> Set design. It's, uh, the guy who directs I it... I don't know if you follow uh, Kyle Edward Ball. Ball. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you follow him on, on like X or Twitter mm. or whatever the yeah. hell it is. And he's just like, hey, this is really cool. Hey, <laughs> they're showing this stuff in Montreal. It's all right. Hey, I'm so cool. Yeah. And he's just like, he's just the sweetest. He's like yeah. the sweetest guy in the world. He's the sweetest he's like, guy. Yeah. Right? And he's just like, hey, what do you think about that phone? Motherfucker, I will murder you. What an experience is, is Skinamarink and and like I don't I don't know if I've ever seen anything before or or since that's like it. Or or if we ever will again, even if they make a sequel, how could it even be like that? 
What would uh, you do? What yeah. would you do with a sequel? My grandson is five years old and he loves Legos. He builds uh-huh. Legos like sure. whoa. And what am I gonna do? Like, hey bro. <laughs> let's watch yeah. let's watch this. Even if, even if it's somebody that, <laughs> that watches horror or what has watched a movie before, it's like I don't I don't know how how do you how do you tell them to sit there and look at this static image? For ninety minutes. <laughs> uh... Remember, you could use to film things on your Game Boy, <laughs> right? Yeah. this is what's happening now. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds uh, like uh, twenty twenty three, and also twenty twenty two. By the sound of it, was there was a lot of stuff to consider. Is there anything in twenty twenty four that you guys are looking forward to? Anything that's been uh... announced or uh, horror wise? Or um, yeah, sure. The sequel to the sequel to Talk to Me. Okay. Mm, yeah. Is that is yeah. that uh, slated for uh, for next year? I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't we'll even know. To, uh, um, uh, but yeah, Terrifier three. Yeah. Terrifier three. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. That's the uh, that's the big one. It's uh, um, uh, if you're that's if you're not familiar with Christ- it, it's Christmassy. Uh yes, yeah, yeah. So it'll probably be like this time this time next year. Um, I'm okay with that. I'm I'm very good very good with it. The last one was three hours long and and it felt like 40 minutes it's uh <laughs> but chris jericho was in it so chris jericho was in it um, <laughs> gonna be mad about who knows that. where who are they gonna get to cameo in this one it's uh is, oh god what i want to know dan um, i hope yeah maybe or i don't know uh, fingers crossed right molly we'll ringwald get... maybe well guys uh <laughs> uh thanks for <laughs> Thanks for taking the time and sitting down and talking uh, spooky movies with me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so oh, much. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having us on. I appreciate that. All right, guys. Take Happy it easy. Holidays. And I am here with Josh Wallen for the Figure Friday segment. And how you doing, Josh? Doing all right? Spectacular, Eric. Thanks for asking. Well, bad news. Uh, we are running oh. long. Um, like any kind of award show or live TV or recording, we are running long. So the figure Friday segment is going to be cut for time, but good news. Wait, we're being played off stage. Is the band queued up right now? (laughs) Yeah. Um, if, uh, I'm not going to do it in post uh, because I just, I just don't have it in me at this point, but I, Ah, there it is. There, there should be some swelling orchestral music. Maybe I will do it. I don't know. But, uh, the good news is we will be back uh, in a full figure Friday podcast on Friday, December 29th. Nobody's doing anything that week anyways. So uh, basically we're going to get into our 2023 and toys and we're going to have all the space that we need to do it because I'm, I'm editing, I'm producing the show so I can do whatever I want. So cool. join Josh and I back here on December 29th. Bit Bam Pop presents figure Friday. We will see you then. <laughs> and we are back wow wasn't that something i i hope sure was boy talk about compelling (laughs) everybody had some good and controversial takes uh wow what a what a group (laughs) what a what a merry band of of folks we are at biff band pop uh you know (laughs) you know eric uh this was our 15th anniversary this year was it? Wow. You can believe and I've it. been, yeah, I feel like I've, I've been here for like almost half that, I think. Yeah. What, what year did you start now? I know we, every so often we talk about it. What year did you start? I feel like it was like 2015 or 2016. Yeah. That sounds about right. That sounds about yeah. right. 
Feels like forever. Um, yes. Yes. We won't let you go. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, J- JP. I got, I got nowhere else to go. <laughs> JP Fallavalita named name the site. We started the site way back in, uh, in August of, uh, of 2018 and 15 years later. We're doing podcasts and gift guides and end of the year stuff and debating wrestling and horror and action figures, soon to come action figures. And uh, yeah, and you put this show together. Thanks for thanks for doing that, man. Thanks for your idea. It was a labor of love. So that was the year that was 2023. Uh, you know, keep your eyes on BiffBamPop.com. Follow us on the various socials. Like, share, and subscribe. All that crap they say at the end of podcasts and YouTube videos. We could use your support. Uh, so that's all I've got to say. Uh, 2023, what a year. I'm curious what uh, 2024 is going to bring. Not really looking forward to Deadpool, but it is what it is. Get out of here. Don't be like that. <laughs> I will be like that. It's my right. So <laughs> there, has to be, there has to be dissent for a functioning uh, democratic website. Oh my gosh, here we go. You better stop this before we get into the uh, functioning dem- democracy that is uh, you not wanting to see Deadpool. Yeah. Well, as an American, I know nothing, know nothing about a functioning democracy. So. <laughs> Amen. So there you have it, folks. Uh, Andy, thanks for sitting in, and uh, this has been great. And stay tuned for more podcasts in the future. Thanks, everybody. Right. Thank you, Eric, for putting it together. Happy to be of service. Take it easy, everybody.